For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Yeah, you heard in the nine o'clock news there, updates uh, out of Killarney, the horrific killing of a grandmother. Um, she had been telling uh, of friends of worries about her safety before she was beaten to death and found dead in her home, 75-year-old Miriam Burns. Um, and the story this morning makes many of the red tops and broadsheets, they say detectives now are questioning a close associate of grandmother Miriam Burns as officers probed the theory that she knew her killer. As a man arrested yesterday over the 75-year-old's death in County Kerry was well known to the victim, according to the Star this morning. Uh, the shock development came as the star established that the mum of four had expressed fears for her safety prior to her violent death. So man question now by uh, Gardy. Very, very sad. You may recall a story that uh, we dealt with here on this programme uh, over a couple of weeks, a few weeks back, and that was the uh, closing of the preschool service, uh, formerly known as Stepping Stones Preschool in Farn Um And a lot of public intervention on that. In fairness, People Power turned it around um, and it was... Uh, re-advertised for tender and that's been sorted now for the Farnry Preschool. It's been secured. A new provider's been found for Stepping Stones. It's Childhood Matters and they're said to be delighted to announce that their application to operate the um, preschool facility has been accepted. So that makes the front page of the Echo today alongside another uh, story of interest. You know Sullivan's Key where the old tax office was and then the diggers and the, the, the bulldozers came in and the wrecking balls came in and they demolished it and the revenue moved out to, to Blackpool. Well that site's just sat there uh, ever since. Now it's a BAM site and the plan there is to build a hotel but it's being very very slow in the coming uh, or the in, in the progress with regards to building it. It doesn't look as if it's going to be built anytime soon. So there are calls now on the front page of the Echo today for it to be turned into, even if it's temporary, some kind of an amenity space in the city. And that would be a delightful thing to happen, wouldn't it? Because it's just sitting there. And if there was a will, there would be a way to make it into some sort of an amenity site for the moment any, rather than just sitting there as a derelict and empty site. Uh, Ryan Giggs makes many of the papers today. Now, uh, you have to stay focused on this because uh, there's a lot of questions and answers regarding Giggs in this trial and he was responding to uh, cross-examination yesterday but he's on trial accused of assaulting his ex-girlfriend Kate Greville. So they're looking into um, Giggs's character and there was a big Q&A back and forth between him uh, and uh, senior counsel yesterday where they were asking him and he was admitting to being a love cheat uh, he was admitting to lying to partners but he said he never ever assaulted a woman ever so that's being played out very much in the courts um, sensationally as they're saying admitting that he was unfaithful to every woman in his life but he'd never been violent towards a partner. The papers also this morning talk about our housing crisis in this country where Dara O'Brien has claimed that the housing plan, whatever it is, would somebody please remind me what the actual housing plan is? Because Dara O'Brien says it is still working, even though many would say when we started to, uh, you know, accept it, and rightly so, what can you do when you have refugees coming from war? But with Romanians, sorry, my apologies, Ukrainians coming in um, from overseas, that really put a scupper, albeit maybe temporary, to any kind of uh, solution to our accommodation, uh, housing and, uh, you know, even apartments uh, for people to live in. Um, Unfortunately, what we do hear an awful lot is people building uh, student accommodation and people building hotels, Uh, but not so much with regards to uh, houses or, you know, even 
housing estates. I'm very concerned about the increasing issues regarding online gambling, and there's a typical example of it making the sun today. There's a lot of online casinos, right? Uh, and and obviously when they're online, you can access them in Ireland. What they need for that is a thing called an, a remote bookies license or remote gambling license, or the case may be. Uh, but they're very hard to regulate. Although in the UK, one of them has been fined a million euro, but a million euro. But I, I imagine that's kind of like a drop in the ocean to the profits that online gambling companies can make. It's a company called Leo Vegas, right? And they operate all sorts of different online casinos and gambling. LeoVegas.com, Slot Boss, Pink Casino, Bet UK. 21.co.uk. All of these are online uh, gambling casinos and online uh, gambling uh, websites. But they've been fined a million euro. One or two reasons. Why do, why do online gambling get fined? Well, because they, for instance, here's an example. Uh, they setting spending triggers for a customer too high, you know, um, particularly trigger customers who they can clearly see and should have an algorithm to show this person spending too much money and they're losing too much money. So they don't, you know, they don't deal with that properly. So significantly um, higher limits to customers not acting uh, on their policy of interacting with punters who are indicating or are exhibiting indicators of harm. Indicators of harm, of course, would be literally just betting and betting and betting and losing everything. I was reading in the FT, the Financial Times recently, a typical example would be a guy called Dave in his 20s got an, e- got a, an email from an internet casino in 2009 and they said, the email said, if you spend £200 we'll give you an extra £200 to bet. And over and, and off he went, right? And that started it. You could identify how it started. And over the next decade, he lost €100,000 despite, sorry, pounds I should say, £100,000 despite many attempts to close his accounts and to opt out of marketing. He was continually bombarded with offers and deals and free bets and marketing, even though he had ticked the uh, no marketing uh, box. You know, you can do that. And and then if you look, because Kevin was showing me uh, with regards to the amount of um, sponsorship, uh, say, for instance, in the Premier League, 40% of Premier League team shirts are sponsored by gambling companies, 20% financial services, 10% airlines and then it goes on to motoring and telecoms and you know technology and stuff like that but 40% of them uh, are on shirts in the Premier League uh, and even if you look internationally then into La Liga, that seems to have a much kind of a more calm spread of different betting uh, or different sponsorship, in fact I don't know if there's any betting at all in La Liga on La Liga shirts they've got telecoms and food and drink and motoring and, and things like that not that I could find any, but 40% of the Premier League. And then when you break it down, where are people actually betting? Well, the breakdown of the gambling industry in the UK says that online betting is now the biggest, bigger than anything else. Like nearly 32% of all gambling is now happening online. Second to that is the National Lottery. Um, and third to that is is online casino is one and then online betting is another. So the casino is your roulette and your blackjack and your slots and stuff like that, your bingo. Your online betting is betting on horses and dogs and matches and stuff. And way down is in-store betting. Only 8% of people now, 8% of betting is done literally walking in 
uh, to a bricks and mortar bookshop. I think that's incredible. That if you look at online casino and online betting, it's 50% of all betting now and they're getting younger and younger. So that's of interest. I probably dwelt a little longer than I intended on that. But back to stories that are making the papers. You know, with the working remote and, you know, not going into the office, not a fan of that. Never have been a fan of it. Uh, Tim Cook now, he says uh, he wants Apple staff to go back to work three days a week. So he's told them the days, and this is very much affecting Ireland and Cork, because there's like 6,000 people uh, working for Apple across Ireland, the vast majority of them in Cork. And Apple have been here for like over 40 years now. So he said, you got to come back to work for Tuesdays. you got to come back for work for Thursdays. And a third day determined by your team leader. Because Tim Cook doesn't like people being out of work because... It's, uh, it's all about preserving in-person collaboration so essential to our culture. I think what he's saying is human contact, you know, being with your workmates and colleagues and having that kind of interaction. Don't even start to talk about our, hit, our health system. Uh, stats out this morning talk about, and to those of you that are on uh, waiting lists for dental, um, well, you might be surprised, maybe not, to know that less and less dentists are available in this country to treat patients with medical cards dropping significantly. Like three years ago, there was 1,500 of them. Now there's just 1,000. And that continues to plummet downwards. Many people are saying that they would leave their car at home if public transport was better. And maybe that's why Bus Connect is such a hot topic on, on side these days. Problem for some, though, is as to whether or not public transport is safe. And there's a call now for transport police to be put on buses. And uh, this is a Dublin-based story, but one wonders if it were to happen on Dublin bus where you literally would have, uh, say, for instance, a dedicated transport officer. Um, Primarily story that makes the papers on this has to do with homophobic attacks. Um, And there was a chap that made the papers together with photographs of his face. A chap called Mark Sheehan, a 26-year-old. He'd been out celebrating with his friends a birthday in the George. Uh, and he, uh, a group just decided uh, to, to set upon him. And that story makes the papers today, and including photographs of the state of his face after he got a really bad beating. And then education makes the papers because teachers are not happy with having to go back into school outside of classroom hours. You know how a lot of the junior and leaving starts going forward will be assessed of course, you will do exams, but there'll be assessments as well. But there's a bit of argy-bargy now with the unions, particularly for junior cycle, because the teachers are refusing to attend meetings after normal school hours. So that could lead to all sorts of problems. Now, as to whether they would go if they got paid for it, I don't know, but they're unhappy about doing the meetings and attending meetings outside of their normal, normal inverted commas, working day. There's a lot of food-related stories making the papers today, which I'll come back to in a few minutes' time. But can I just mention this one for now, for it being breakfast time still for some people. I don't know what your choice of breakfast is, but let's just say we park the full Irish or we, you know, park the, uh, you know, the scrambled eggs or whatever, and you go for breakfast cereal. There is research out this morning saying that Cheerios are actually a very healthy breakfast on the basis of a score between 0 and 100, um, 100 being the best with regards to ingredients and with regards to nutritional attributes. Cheerios comes in at 95 as a healthy breakfast. Now, unfortunately, uh, cornflakes, Special K and Frosties are still down at the bottom of the list. But Cheerios get the thumbs up, apparently, from nutritionists if you're going for a breakfast cereal. And I'm not suggesting that you should be. I mean, for me, it would be Kellogg's Crunchy Nut Cornflakes. And no matter how much I try to convince myself that they're healthy, I know deep down that they're not. 
The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. Text 0868104106. We'll be coming back to some more related stories regarding food and issues like that throughout the course of the morning. And also doing a bit of a drill into Tanora, which at this point in time is unavailable for the first time in its entire history on Side. I think I'm, I mean, I'm open to correction from you guys. You may know of a bottle that's on a shelf or two, but we were due to taste it on the air this morning. And uh, we checked Centra in Bishopstown. We checked Quish's Super Value in Balancholic. And we went to Dunn's, the Bandon Road Roundabout. All sold out. I know that Claire tried a couple yesterday, not available on any of the shelves. So um, Coca-Cola saying it would be back next week, that they had a problem with an ingredient. But is it fair to say that right now on this Wednesday morning, that for the first time in its history, Tanora is unavailable on Leaside Lads? Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. I want to chat with Eddie O'Brien. Great news for Eddie. Eddie, good morning. Morning there, how are you? I'm very well. A cork man that's um, uh, banished out to Killaloe, is it? Or, uh, you're in the County Clare, I think, is it? Oh, Killaloe. It's about 14 miles from Minwick, like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you miss home? Uh, are you gone a long time? Oh, yeah, 1971. Go way out of that. Go way out of that. And you got and your you, you got your new prosthetic leg, I'm told. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I know, I know. I saw I saw a video of you giving it a trial run there when they were fitting it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't see the other... The other type of leg I was wearing. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. But I wanted to chat with you about that. If we could wind the clock back, because you were living for many, many years with a very, oh, very painful wooden leg, weren't oh, you? Oh, very painful leg. Leg. Like, I should go to match that uh, when when cock when cock were good leg in Claw Park and everywhere, you know. And I've been to Lanzone. I've been to all the, the matches, you know? It was a solid wooden foot bolted together <coughs> with aluminium and strapped to your hip with leather and you'd oh, be yes, you'd be sore could. and red raw for 40 years. 50 years, maybe. Oh, it was, yeah. Like, and, and when I come home, like when I come home from the match, you know, I, t- I, t- I take up the leg and I go as alone in clutches, you know? I know, I know. <laughs> The old stump of the leg was was very sore and very raw, <coughs> and you were no. never told in all those years, sixty years using that painful one, that you were entitled oh, to something oh, better. Right. And then you have to go train because I, when the leg was so sore, I had to go along the crutches when I come home. I know, I know. Because I had to put the leg on just to go to work. The father and mom, you know. I know, yeah. And you'd have to use I, a screwdriver, wouldn't you, to put it back together uh-huh. and repair it with your own tools and stuff. I had, uh, I had two little things in the own pocket, a little screwdriver and a little tweezer and a little pliers, you know. Oh, my God, to make the little minor and, adjustments uh, to it. Mother of God. You know, because uh, oh, there was big thick leather and there was aluminium and the leather was rubbing off on the leg. And for sore and red raw, you know. God Almighty! Can I ask you the back story from when you were a small little boy? How'd you lose the leg? What happened? <clears throat> oh, I was only two years old, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. When she was pregnant with you, she fell off. Hang on a second. Wait, wait a second. When you wait a second, your mother. What happened when you? She was pregnant with you, was it? Oh yeah, she's pregnant with me, uh, and um, I and I was in a crash, and after that, for the wife, she knew that I wasn't putting the push under me. You yeah, know? yeah. So they had to. Um, it went to bed. Oh, that's that's seventy-six years ago. It's like, seventy-six you know? years ago, and you, and you think that your mother was eight months pregnant with you, and maybe the leg was damaged when she fell off the bike, oh, is it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it yeah. was yeah. yeah, yeah. And then like seventy-six. They have improved now with, with things. Oh, I know, I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. But when you, so when you were about six, your father made your first pig leg, is it? Oh yeah, she made a kind of a pig leg. He got a bit of he got a black timber, and he put two little screws on, two pairs on to it, and then put a bit of leather around the um, leather. To That's strap it. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And I went, to, I went to school. I guess I went to national school when I was about six, you know. And um, they couldn't give me a leg because uh, I think I was only about um, or eleven. So you had you, you know? had the dad's one, which was like Long John Silver as a child, <laughs> because it was that your Long own. John Silver. Yeah. That's, that's, so the, that's yeah. the fella. I, I said, I like to go around. I I, I went to school and I said, I play football with the boys, you know. Were you able to play football? Oh, yes, I was. I was only a small one. They just shoved me into goals, like, you know. <laughs> you were in goal, I know, yeah, I know. Because they, they amputated the leg from the knee be- below the knee when you were only two. So you you, you adapted yeah. Yeah. yeah you adapted to that I suppose because you were so oh, small. Yeah, but, oh yeah, that was I didn't know what to like to have to have two legs. I'm sure I know. know. Yeah, I know. It's all you knew. It's all you knew. You know. So you. I used to play football there with the boys and the other boys had no had no pity. That's the way I wanted this like you know. Yeah, yeah, but they but they, no but they involved you. They involved you in sport and in play, didn't you? Didn't they? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were part of the gang, like. Oh, yeah, that was a part of the gang growing up, you yeah, know. Yeah. How old are you now, Eddie? I'm, uh, I'm 78 now. Fair play. And did you, when, when you got, when you grew up then, did you go out to work? Were you, did, were you a weaver were you in a factory in Fromoy, is I, it? I, that's right. I'm, I'm up, I'm up in Douglas in, in Cork. Where? That's in St. Patrick's Woolen Mills. In the Woolen know? Mills. What were you weaving there? Oh, textile, you know. Boy, that was a big company then, wasn't it? It's gone now, yeah. But it's all yeah. it's all little different businesses now where you would have been weaving yeah. fabrics and stuff. It's all little independent businesses. Oh, 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 oh but like, you know, uh, down, down in the place called Recormock, I, I lived. I'd get the bus up the Cork and then get a bus from Cork out to Douglas, you know? Every day. Every every five days a week. Oh my God yeah. Almighty! You must have set off really early in the morning. Got home really oh, late. There was a bus around quarter to eight, like you know. If you got the main cock double road, uh, bypass. Road, I know, like, you know. I know, but you had long days though, and painful oh, days, painful. Oh, it's a long day, but um, ever, but I walked uh, after that. Then uh, I walked in all the Tunker Street, you know. Right. What were you doing there? 
um, there was a shoemaker there, you know, um, he was from Black Rock, and um, he had two places. He had a place in Olatunka Street, and he had a place over in Paul Street. You right, know? yeah, yeah. And there was a fellow walking there, he might have had him, a fellow called Billy Galligan. What did he do? Uh, he was the Black Rock holder there, he was, well, he was a shoemaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, you worked for the shoe, did you make shoes, or did you repair them, or work with leather, was it? Oh, what's in there? And then Minden, Minden shoes, you push heels yeah. on them and, and... I know, yeah, yeah. And the soles. Yeah. And they had two places, and, um, and that place closed down then, and I worked in the place called Moore's Hotel. Wow, you really... I think the name is still there, but it isn't the hotel, you know? No, no, it hasn't been a hotel for quite some time, and it's being, it's being redeveloped now, at the moment, all that area of Morrison's Quay, you might be interested to know. Big changes oh, oh. there. Oh, I saw that in the paper yeah. a, long, a long time yeah. ago. But, t- but over... Then, yeah, go on, yeah. Uh, and then, um, and before that, I worked in Tomorrow, we were in factory again, like, you know. Worked all your life, worked hard. And did you get oh, married yeah, and yeah. Did you get married and have a family, settled down and all that? Oh, yeah. I, I, I took two boys. I want to know it's fucking two and the other is fucking, you know. Yeah, yeah. But there's a wedge, you know, wedges in the tennis. He's a tennis coach down here in... Fair play to him. In, uh, in Kedaloo. Handy on the court. So, for all you know, of those years, um, you got... And I think when you were in your teens, you got more of the leg amputated, this time above the knee. 1967. Yeah. See, I had about three inches below the knee. Yeah. But for 60 and, years, and you were using these, all these different old-fashioned wooden legs held together oh, with yeah, all sorts of different things. Yeah. And, and Brian Baru used to wear them, I say, you know. <laughs> but you were in awful pain for all those years. Oh, all, all the pain was, all the pain was taking terrible all together. But you had, you had, you had to, you had, you had to do it, like, you yeah. get up and get out and get to work, like, you know. But there was days when you couldn't get out of the bed with the pain, I'm told. Oh, I tried, yeah, but uh, uh, that was the way I second had to, no such thing as, no, no such thing as stay, stay there. Stay there. You have to get up and get out. That was a bad way to be, you know. So you never knew in all of those years, because nobody told you, that you were entitled to a modern, lightweight, comfortable one. No, no. <laughs> no one ever told me. Oh, yeah, the doctor told them. You've just seen the legs. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. Huh? I've seen the old one and I've seen the new oh. one. You look like you look like Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's right. You see, I was there's a fellow coming down from um, the rehab in Dublin. Yeah. Like they got a thin nose hospital first. That was uh, 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 the king. See, and um, make some desktop and they gave me a place called. Uh, up near Galway, um, about a mile and a half from Galway, and I went to the, I forget the name, but no again. Well, I know, I, I know of a company called Physical Impairment Ireland that helped you. They're an advocacy group for people with physical disabilities, but and I think in the end they managed to sort it. But I'm amazed that you would be going to doctor's appointments and into St. Finbar's Hospital, and you'd have your own screwdriver at the appointments, and nobody said to you, there's a better one available for you. <laughs> no, no, never. Kids, well, the patient got is Mel, Melbourne Park. Right, yeah. 
and the fellas come down there and he had a he had a bag and he was looking and couldn't find certain screws but next time I pulled these two little things out of my pocket and we I could repair my own second leg there's only a kind of a screw a screw coming loose you know I know I know you just you put know? up with it and you just got on with it for 60 years so what was it like when they measured you and fitted you with the new one oh yeah change yeah silicone and uh, three three licking off you put on the leg and a bush. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like going along with an original leg or something, you know? It's like the real oh, thing, you think, is it? Huh? Is it like the real thing? Oh, it's like, yeah, it's like the real thing. Uh, compare them to the second yorker head, you know? <laughs> you oh, just... It's like, yeah. it's like showing on the old leg. You just couldn't oh. compare like with like. And has it given you an awful lot more freedom now, the new prosthetic? It looks fabulous. Oh, it is, yeah, it is. Like, when they get out of bed in the morning for the last years, you know, see this big freaking yoke inside the cry, and there was laces in it. Yeah. Like, you know, football lace, and you fucking tie it up, and a strap. Yeah. Then the leg could be freaking sore. Yeah. From the leather rubbing against the skin. You're in heaven you know? now. You're in heaven now with it. Oh, Jesus, I'm a new man. I'm, I'm a new man. And like, you know, where am the old leg? No. I never complained uh, no. out there, you know, the out, the out there having the crack in the pub and things now, you know? Yeah, working, I, cycling I, a bike, climbing ladders, com- playing football. But are you not angry now that you had all of those oh, years no, of pain? No, no, no. no? I, I, I'm not angry. Like, like as I said, you know, like, there's no point going along with a grumpy old head on you. <laughs> you, know? you have a great philosophy on life, in fairness to you, I have to say. Oh, Eddie. yes, I have. But that's the way, that's the way I was reared up. And, and the boys, yeah, the boys treated me, the boys treated me as if I had two legs. Yeah. They didn't see it any differently. And that's a great way to be. That's a lesson for all of us. Oh, okay. So, because, like, when we turn football, they don't know, like, the boys are, they shoved me into goals, like, you know? Yeah, and, I know, um, yeah. All you get... Back in the day, in. that's the way it was, wasn't it, Eddie? If you couldn't get a game on the pitch, they threw... They did that to me as well. You ended up in goal. Oh, they shoved me into goal. But, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but, um... <laughs> all day, I did one... The ball come into me, they'll come in on top of me, and they can kicked kick the crap out of me. <laughs> you know? One kill... One kill, I'll let them hold the kick back with a timber leg. <laughs> That's right. If they got a kick of them once, they won't come back a second time. Oh, yeah. All of the training there. I mean, never fed up with anybody. Like, you know, I mean, they kicked, I kicked them. And, and stay, that stay, was away. stay away from the goalie. He's vicious. So uh, there's, there's no stopping you now. Oh, yeah. I could be on, uh, you know what, I, I could be on the cock team now after all. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm but, um, delighted I got a chance to chat with you, and you know, I'm delighted, you know. But um, I remember the first leg I got, you know. Um, oh, I was about well, probably about twelve, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, open ground the brawl, you know. Let people um, know that there's a better way out there. Yeah, let people yeah. know that there are ways of getting better. Um, prosthetics, oh, is, yeah. yeah. I had, like you know when I went in, 
Bundan da Kur'an'a bakalım da ruhumuzdan var. Ama şimdi böyle bir şeyde taşıyacak, you know? And um, get a bucket of water in the middle of the floor. And they push some plaster, plaster hey, into it. And that's how they measure me for the leg. No, no way. That was way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, that's going on. That's, that's going on. The, the person like it. I know, that was like yeah, like a plaster of Paris. But tell me now, are you going to keep the old wooden one um, and hand it down to the future generations or are you going to throw it on the fire for firewood? Oh, <laughs> I think they'll put it in the museum. They'll put it in the museum, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, listen, right. look after yourself, will you? And it's great chatting with you and congratulations oh, yeah. on the new leg. Who, who am I speaking to, sorry? This is Neil in Cork, so oh. it's lovely chatting with you. Neil, oh, yeah. That's a nice talking to you. And tonight you look, and I want to thank them, um, the patrol about in Dublin and, and um, in Ormore. In know? Galway. Good man. You're talking about yeah. Physical yeah. Impairment Ireland, and people need to be aware that they're an advocacy group for people with physical disabilities, and they can, um, you know, they can advocate on their behalf like they did for you. So well done to them. Mind yeah. yourself, well, Eddie. Mind yourself. Yeah, okay. Bye, all of it. Bye now. Take care now. Cheers. Great guy, Eddie O'Brien with his new leg. Text 0868104106. Just on that one, uh, as I was chatting, an email came in. You're speaking to Eddie. It reminded me of an old neighbour we used to have who lost his leg. I'm too young to remember him, but my dad would tell me the story about him. He lost the leg at the age of 14 in 1920. The story goes, while waiting for his friends one sunny day, he lay down for a rest with his leg hanging on top of a railway track. So the story goes. The train came along, and you can imagine what happened next. He was brought up to Cork by horse and cart, laying across his mother's lap where the leg had to be amputated. She thought he wouldn't survive. It was thought that the hospital provided him with some sort of a leg, but apparently it was no good to him. So a local blacksmith or a carpenter is thought to have later helped to make and fit a wooden leg for him. A very basic one. But it worked for him. Apparently, he used to put it over the chimney. He used to put it, sorry. Apparently, he used to put it up the chimney over an open fire to treat it and to harden the wood every now and then. Over the years, he'd have gotten new ones made too, but all would have been the same basic wooden time. Amazingly, though, he worked into his 50s with this wooden leg, plowing fields for farmers with a horse and cart, all with the basic wooden leg. He seemed to just get on with things, never ever complained. Though I can imagine he was in a lot of pain and discomfort. He's very clever. He even modified his bicycle to suit the leg. The pedal on the side of the wooden leg would stay in place and his good leg would do the pedaling. Amazing. My older siblings would fondly remember him cycling along the road on the modified bike. He died at the age of 82 and was buried in the family plot where his amputated leg had been buried all those years before. So in death... He rejoined the leg. Great story. Thanks for sharing. By email to neil at redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Just on the subject of Tanora, I see the text coming in. It's still available in only in isolated places, though. So at least I'm able to say that for the first time ever in Cork, it's not available because it is. Welton Centre and Glasheen Road have Tanora. I uh, love Tanora. You can still get it in a few garages. And for Moy, Morning, Super Value Carrigaline have plenty of Tanora. So it's still available. Mind you, um, very, very limited supplies. Carry out off license in Grawn have got it. Got it from my dad only two days ago. Okay, so at least it's still there in sporadic places. Um, we'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning. Can I just touch on a story there from earlier on this morning? And I think this is very much down to uh, people power. We were talking about Stepping Stones Preschool in Farnree. Um, and it was just announced that the board of directors were stepping down and it was going to close. And, and that was it. There was another word until people in the area said, hang on a second, this is ridiculous. And People Power made this happen and there was a public meeting regarding it and it's been turned around. They were in, they were in a situation where they had to re-advertise it and allow people to tender uh, for, the, uh, for the preschool. And that's been sorted. Now, Tommy Gould has the update. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And it happened much quicker than thought, actually, because we're not even anywhere near the end of August, right? So it'll get open for September, I assume. Yes, Neil, that's the plan. There's been a new company after giving the service contract. Uh, They signed it yesterday. Actually, the one big thing, Neil, I wanted to say to you, to everyone at Red FM, and all your listeners, is just thank them for the support they gave the parents. I know that they were on with yourselves. And it goes to show that when... The parents and their families and the community came together and they got active and protested and went on radio stations with yourself, what can be accomplished. So it's a really good news story for family in the north side. And the other thing I would say is because of GDPR, the old company can share information with the new company. So what I'm saying to yeah. you and to your listeners, for any of the parents now and any of the staff, uh, I'll have up my Facebook page today, contact details, for the new provider, if they contact them to secure their places and to talk about um, uh, maybe reapplying for jobs because it's a really positive story. Why, why can't those that already work there stay there? It's a brand new company because the old director stepped down and moved away. And the other thing, Neil, is I think it should be noted that without the support of the old directors, Cork City Council and Cork Child Care, like... You, you, like you've been dealing with things like this for years. We've never turned anything around this quickly. And the only reason we were able to do it is because everyone got on board to support us. What happened to so, the staff that were there, though? Did they get redundancy or did they take voluntary redundancy or did they want to stay on in their jobs? Well, I, I, I don't want to go into the detail of what happened with the staff, but as far as I know, everything was done in order with them. But listen, Neil, the one big thing about Stepping Stones was Everyone loved the staff. And that's talking to parents now over the last couple of days. They are really keen that the staff would uh, contact the new provider and hopefully be kept on. Because I know myself, there's other childcare providers that are crying out for staff, especially great staff like these people. Yeah, yeah. So when, when, when will this happen? Is this going to happen in the next couple of weeks for a, an opening date of September? Yes. It's, so the plan now is that People need to contact the new provider uh, to, to secure the places. The preschool is being kept open. The same quantity of children are being taken in and given places. So it's going to happen in September. It's, it's a really positive story. And it goes to show Neil about people power. 
we see that sometimes people would say, I might be always on about protesting and fighting. This was a really important service for the North Side, and people stood up. And if you remember that weekend, it was one of the hottest days of the year when the families came out, and they were on social media, they were on the Echo, they were on Red FM, and it's just a really positive story that the people stood up and they were listened to. Know what you're saying, yeah. So, um, how many kids? Well, as far as I know, there were 29. But what happened, Neil, is some of the children are after, because they were worried they wouldn't be reopened, have gone, uh, got child um, places and other child care facilities. But what we're hoping is people reapply here because this is a brilliant service. They need the children to, to come in to keep it open. And what we are looking to do now, Neil, is hopefully work with the new provider to even expand because my own children when they were younger went to stepping stones and myself and my wife loved it it was it it was they had an after school club they had the fresh it, it was a brilliant set gotcha. and yeah. we are hoping yeah. that will all return okay then maybe they might be able to scale it up let's ask the ceo callum de burka um joins me by phone callum good morning good morning neil thanks for having me so you're you're based in besbra is it yeah, we're based in Besborough and Blackrock. We're okay. called Childhood Matters. Okay. Um, and you will take over the running of this preschool. Um, will you scale it up, do you think? Um, well, there, there's a bit of paperwork involved to scale it up, Neil. So, I mean, what we'll do between now and mid-September is literally move mountains to reopen it and get it, get get the facility back open for, for children and families in the area. Okay. And then after that, you know, we can look at trying to scale it up but our main priority is just to re-establish it as it was. And the children so, that are um, due to return in September, have they got a place? Um, like Tommy said, um, like Thomas Gould said there, we have um, unfortunately issues with GDPR where we can't take the files from the previous operators. So we would ask the, um, the, the families who had places secured to get in touch with us as soon as possible and we'll be absolutely we'll prioritised there. So those that had a place will be prioritised with a place? Absolutely. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And, and the staff then, where, where are you at with the staff? Yeah, so like, again, similar to with the staff, we, we have to start a new uh, recruitment process. Uh, our first preference is that we would hire the staff that were there previously. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to take this opportunity to appeal to them directly um, to get in touch with us. We're a very progressive employer uh, in the sector. We have maternity leave and pension and um, healthcare contribution schemes so I really would appeal to them to get in contact with us and we will um, again prioritise their application. Okay, so they, if they apply they, they would be prioritised or given the position that they had, which? Uh, prioritised, absolutely and given, I mean, you know, they like as long as everything still checks out. Gotcha, no, that's good. Yeah, out, everything yeah. checks yeah. out, staff are protected uh, people who have places already for their children are going back for another year prioritised and protected and then you'll be taking on new kids from families as well. Hopefully, hopefully. Okay. There's a bit of paperwork involved in expanding the amount of kids we can take on but it's a fantastic facility and we're really looking forward to making it as good as we can for the community there. Okay, okay. Well, one, one or two concerns though from people with regards to the board. Is there a religious ethos to this because there would be nuns on the board and but there, is there a religious... Connection. No, absolutely not, Neil, nor are there with any of our services, but with all childcare provision, um, you know, there's, it's strictly run according to the ASHTER framework. That's an early childhood curriculum that is uh, child-led learning and ensures, you know, that your child is at the centre of all, of all of the education there. Okay, non-denominational, no religious ethos. 
100%, absolutely. Okay, fair play. And do you hope to get it rocking and rolling by, what, early September? Uh, Mid-September, like I said, there's, there are mountains to move. We can move them. We're going to do our best um, to, to, to be as early as we can in September. But realistically, it's probably going to be mid-September by the time we get vetting and everything back. It's not like the only that. one you're taking on, I believe, is that you're also taking on the Bandoff crash in Mayfield, is it? Yeah, correct. Now, that's um, that's held up in contract at the moment. Okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, that's our plan. Hopefully, it'll be early in the new year the crest at the beginning of um, Lushnamela estate in Bandoff. Okay. Uh, feel free to hold on if you wish, Colin. It'd be great if you would, but I just want to have a quick word with Julie Stiles. She was the lady that first came on air and alerted me to the problems in the area. Julie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Uh, are you happy? Yeah, delighted. People no, power did it in the end, isn't it true? No, we did, yeah. In fairness, no, like, and everyone stuck together. Now, a lot of us had concerns over the last few weeks um, and have secured places elsewhere for the kids, me being one of them as well, because we were just panicking um, that the kids would have nowhere from September and obviously their education is vital. Yeah. But um, I have a group message set up, like this is the first kind of information where we're after getting that, um, that the teachers can reapply and hopefully we'll get their jobs back. That was a big thing with us. We want our kids to be back there with the same teachers that they met going back to college. Well, it's, so, it does know. look to me as if that will happen. He's gone as close yeah. as he can to say, assuming and that I everything was well fine in the old job, they will have new jobs, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think as well, if that's going to happen, like myself, as long as as well as another good few mothers will be sending their kids back um, okay. and reapplying. So, like, even if um, what was that boy's name there? Callum de Burka. Callum, if he could even give us details of how we can contact them today and how the teachers can contact, because I have a group message with teachers and all the parents. Let's get that, that shared, Callum. Callum just as I finish up, how can they do that? Yes. Yeah, so for staff, if they could send, a, excuse me, if they could send a CV to HR at childhood-matters.ie and then for parents if they could just ring the line directly it's 021-435-7730 7730-435-7730 and I'll call out that uh, that email contact again in a few minutes time well done Julie to you to Brilliant, all of the parents and to Tommy Gould for getting on board and pulling it all together well done Tommy well Brilliant. done Julie take care all thank you thank you Lee. all the best good luck to all concerned text 0868104106 for all of the business I'll get that email address again after the break and I'll give it a shout out for you if you want to get in touch with uh, the new company which is um, based in Besbra it's called Childhood Man get it off your chest Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. So as promised for staff of the old Stepping Stones Preschool, the email address to uh, go through the process to get your old job back. HR at, this is the email address, hr at childhood-matters.ie. And for people who are looking to put their children into the uh, preschool itself, you phone 435-7730. 435-7730. We'll pick it up with calls, texts and emails after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Right, that's Stepping Stone sorted. So actually, just on another bit of housekeeping, we were talking on the show um, with regards to uh, taxis and a lack of taxis, particularly at night, and taxi drivers who uh, hadn't gone back to work after COVID. You might remember all of those com- numbers and those 
conversations and a lot of taxi drivers got in touch with us to highlight the uh, lack of night buses and saying you should be on to Bus Aaron and the NTA asking whether there aren't more buses and night buses and overnight buses like they have in Dublin. So we did. We got on to uh, Bus Aaron um, and they came back and said, you know, uh, we operate Cork City Bus Service, but we do it on behalf of the NTA. And the National Transport Authority, they said, are responsible for the routing and the timetables and the fares. So your query about more overnight buses, you know, through the night should be directed towards the NTA. Uh, So we did then get onto the NTA, at least Kevin did. And uh, they said that the new Bus Connect network is proposing two 24-hour bus services. So technically, they'll be doubling the amount of night buses and through the night buses in Cork. But when I say doubling, it's like from one to two. So when Bus Connect comes along, it's going to do very little to change getting people home safely on public transport after like 11 or half 11 o'clock at night, right? Whereas in Dublin, they got like 14 or so, they got loads of them. Not quite sure of the figure. There are 14 routes that branch across uh, Dublin City with their nightling service. So we'd get not one, we'd get two. And they would be uh, a route running east to west, Ovens, Ballancolig to the city centre to Mahan. And the second one then would run north-south, which would be Carrigaline, city centre, Holly Hill. They say, in addition, more services will be running later in the evening than is currently the case. But the 24-hour routes would go from one to two. I'm not missing anything there. That's what they said, wasn't it? That it would go from the one existing one to change to two. One would run east-west, the other north-south, yeah, 24. That, that's it. That's it. So and you get all this new bus connect and two 24-hour services. Two 24-hour services. So that's great if you're in car. What if you're in, I don't know, let's say a man. What do you do then? What if you're in, well, I suppose the man goes, goes to well, Ovens. It but would if you're go in somewhere to the like, city centre demand. If you're in somewhere like Cantorque or if you're somewhere like, um, I don't know, where's Southwest, you know, down towards uh, Ring of Skiddy or two. if you're down towards it's, like. It's, I mean, it's self explanatory. Yeah. It's two. Two bus services for the entirety of Cork City that run between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. And what, what frustrated me was I had asked them specifically about plans outside of Bus Connects because we don't know how long it's going to take for this bus. 2028, man. 2028 before we have. A Second night I, bus I'm, I'm guessing that now. Yeah. I, but even even so, it's going to take a while for all this stuff to come in. Like what? And it, I, I mean, you can even talk about the provision of them. But like, I'm hearing from bus drivers that they're they're losing numbers rapidly because of the fact that they're getting so much stick on the bus. They're getting, you know, they're, they're just like their numbers. They're advertising for drivers constantly. They're advertising they're, for staff. They're, what I've what I've heard from a bus or a bus air and employee is that they're losing up to thirty staff a month. 30 bus what? drivers a month. You are joking me. That is what I've been and told. And how many are they hiring? And this one? employee I know was had his had his throat threatened to be slit by a one of his passengers. But if you put in an overnight 24-hour bus and you get all sorts of characters on it at 2 and 3 in the morning, mm. what about the safety of the drivers then? You'd wonder, like, you, you take it back to the old days of the bus conductor. Do you remember the bus conductor would be on and there would always be two then on a bus to try and look after? Is that something we need to bring back? Some sort of a conductor slash security? Because for, you know, like we... You we, get a slap at the ticket machine back in the day for <laughs> out of line. I'm telling you. Yeah, but, it, it, with but look at what happened in the 220 down in Carrigal Line recently. Look what's happened on that route recently. I mean, if you're talking talking about going down there the guy who was assaulted in Crosshaven is on I don't know if he's back to work and kind regards to him but he had to take time off he had to take time off so I mean would that guy want to get back in a bus and drive at 4am down the same place where he was assaulted previously well said well said okay thanks for the update appreciate the work on that one so that was the response from the NTA from one to two a lot of texts from yesterday my chat with Wendy and Mary Mary being mum Wendy being the daughter both trapped because of agoraphobia 
good things will happen there. Uh, good things will happen there. And I'll tell you some more about that. They will be visited and uh, will engage in hypnotherapy and hypnosis and it could well make a difference. A lot of text on it. That lady needs to see a behaviour analyst for her anxiety. Someone to come to her home and help her to take some action. Well, I hope we've endeavoured to do that for both of them and that there'll be good news to report in the coming weeks. Listening to the lady with the bad anxiety, I've gone through something similar, but I got it under control recently after years. Give her my number if you want, if she wants to have a chat, says Kevin. I certainly will. Uh, wonder if they tried CBD oil. My son has autism, doesn't like leaving the house. Not a, not a fear as such, more like socially awkward but CBD oil helps him big time. And there's a fabulous book on dealing with all of these things. It's called Hope and Healing for Your Nerves. End Anxiety Now by Dr. Claire Weeks. I would recommend it to anyone suffering from anxiety. You're not the first person that texted me about that book, actually. I saw a few of them. Uh, just messaging about Wendy and Mary with the agoraphobia. I suffered from PTSD after a bad accident where I broke my back in six places. And I thought at the time I was going to die. I wouldn't wish PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, on anybody. It comes with anxiety, depression, insomnia, and it kills your libido. Also, I was having panic attacks on a daily basis, sometimes up to five times a day. I was losing jobs, everything. It was disturbing my life so much. I was driving to start a new job one Monday, and while I was driving, I began to have a severe panic attack. So I had to pull over on the side of a busy road with three lanes of traffic and massive trucks flying past at 100 kilometers an hour. While lying on the ground next to my car on the hard shoulder, I was just thinking that this is never going to go away. Just trying to paint a picture for you as to how bad it was. And here and now today, I don't suffer from any of the above anymore, but my treatment to fix all my ailments isn't legal in Ireland, unfortunately. I can't come on air, but I can help those two women if you put us in contact Perhaps I may be able to help. So while you don't specify what that treatment was, apart from saying that it isn't legal in Ireland, um, I suppose we have to maybe guess. But thank you for it nonetheless. And I certainly will pass on your details uh, to Wendy and to Mary. But Brian Evans, the hypnotherapist, will be visiting uh, to help them. And he's had tremendous success in the past with anything that we've asked him to intervene with. So hopefully good news in the future. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Uh, tell me about it. You're texting mad on Tanora, lads. Not just live to the program, but also on Facebook and Twitter because we were sharing the Tanora story. We're wondering, at this stage, should it have protected status? I mean, Waterford's blah, which is a kind of a bread rolly thing, uh, recently got protected status and it joins things like champagne, Parma ham, Cornish pasties, things like that. So should Tanora also be uh, given protective state, protected status so it couldn't be copied by Red Lemonade, for instance? I mean, people went for TK Red Lemonade, which was, I suppose, nice, but a pure substitute for Tanora. But anyway, lots of comments on this and a great Vox from the streets of Cork in a few minutes' time. But um, to find out how much it is loved, I can go as far afield as I want, even down to Melbourne, Australia. Linda, good morning or good, good evening, good night, I think. Is it what, time, what time is it where you are right now at this stage? Linda. Hi, how Sli- are you? I'm sorry, slight like time delay. What time is it there? It is, it's nearly, oh God, I don't know, actually, hang on. It's quarter past seven in the evening. Oh, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. <laughs> anyway, tell yeah. me about your love of Tanora. Is it when you come home or what? Oh, no. Um, ever since I was small, 
I just always loved uh, Tanora. I'd have a, a stew for my dinner and I'd have to have a bottle of Tanora with my stew and to the disgust of everybody sitting around me. But it's just, you know, it's just a Cork tradition. It's one of these things that, you know, when you do go home, you see it and you think, oh, I have to have one of those. <laughs> but I think you're, you you use it to wash down uh, a Jackie Lennox takeaway, I'm told, is it? Oh, I'm telling you, yeah, the, the first week we were back, um, I was up in my mother and father-in-law's, Rose and Con, in Greenmount Crescent, and oh, straight down to Lennox's for a takeaway and across then to uh, Galley's off licence. <laughs> and th- there it was in front of me like the Holy Grail. <laughs> so um, <laughs> oh, I said, yes, I'll have one of those. And every evening I was up there, um, I had to make the, the five-minute trip down to, to Galley's to get a bottle of Tenora. Not TK, not Coke, not Fanta, not Club Orange, no. nothing like that. No, no, no. It had to be Tenora. I eat the, eat the picture I put on Facebook was um was the one of the actual bottles from from Galley's. <laughs> what? Oh, what about me home last? Um we were home I was home for the month of June, so I actually came back to surprise my mum and dad, Patsy and Don Lo Sullivan in Carrigaline in Mount Rivers. Wow. So I was with them for three weeks and then um, myself and my husband spent a week with his mum and dad. Did you and literally walk we, in the front door unannounced? I was actually hiding behind my brother's rubbish bin <laughs> in my brother's house. And they, my sister-in-law, Linda, called my parents. And, of course, they were wondering, oh, what's up now? And, you know, so then they came up and, yeah, I jumped out from behind the bin. And, yeah, it, look, it was great. Do, it but was, like, um, did you ever think you might be a risk to their health, for instance? Well, I, <laughs> when I saw my dad putting his hands in the air and not on his heart, I knew I, I knew things were okay. <laughs> did they let out, Did they let out a scream? Oh, they did. Well, I I can't say on air now what they said, but um, <laughs> they were they were delighted. They were delighted. Oh but yeah, God. it was so it was so good after four years just to you know just to see everybody and especially after you know lockdown and things like that. What took you it out was, there in twenty twelve? Oh, my husband, uh, trans- my husband Brian, he transferred with his job. So we said, you know, we'd take the chance. And So he went from Moogring a skiddy to Moog Australia or something, was it? He, he did indeed, yeah. yeah. So he's still with the same company. And we said we'd give it two years and see how it went. And <laughs> two years came and went. And yeah, we're still here heading into our 12th year. It's amazing. Yeah. And all we're seeing now yeah. is Australia advertising for people to go down and work, particularly nurses yeah. and midwives and teachers. You're robbing all our people down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, look, only the best. They only, ex- you know, they only, they only take the best. So it, it's a comment. <laughs> I saw an ad there okay, the other day I- online, right? They're looking for nurses and midwives. And the, and the caption, the photograph is... Uh, young couple with a small little toddler and they're walking along on a sunset beach probably Bondi they're saying you know come down to Australia the quality of living is just you probably have a pool in your back garden do you Linda? Yeah. No no we're not that posh we don't have the pool in the backyard If you did you'd fill it with if you did you'd fill it with Tanora I'd say (laughs) (laughs) There's enough rain at the moment anyway that we could have one I know Look Tanora it's a cork tradition keep it going you know, fair play. So for you, for for you, it's uh, Tanora and a Jackie Lennox takeaway. What's the takeaway? Is it uh, fish and chips, chicken and chips? Oh, it's chips and a cheese and potato pie, <laughs> and maybe a carton of curry if I'm. <laughs> ah, God, no chippers in Melbourne, no. 
Oh, there is, but they're they're not as good as Lennox's and Bandon Road. Never the same, says you. Never the same. Never well, the fair same. Fair play to you. Fair play. You don't have any Tanora in stock down there, no? No, but I mean, if you're willing to to send me out a crate, I'd be. <laughs> Imagine I'd be the, more than thankful. <laughs> Imagine the shipping costs on a crate of Tanora to you in Melbourne. Give me a break. Go on now. Go on now, Lee. Listen, on. I last spoke. I spoke to you in 20, 2003 when my daughter Sophie was born. Wow. She was the first baby in Cork City and County. For the year two, so two, two, was she born on New Year's Day or something? She was born uh, just after 12 midnight well, on New darn. Year's Eve. So just 19 yeah, and, years uh, ago. Yes, indeed. So it's a small world. It's amazing how time flies. How time. Good to chat with you again all the years. Don't leave it 19 years next time. Hear me? (laughs) I won't. Listen, it was lovely to talk to you. You too. See you later. Regards to you all down that way. Hi, Rob. Hi, Hi, Sean. Bye. (laughs) Bye. See you, Linda. Bye. Take care. Bye, bye, bye. Anyway, bye. listen, we, uh, we, this all started with a listener saying that it was being cancelled and the Coca-Cola were no longer going to be uh, making it or producing it. It's not true. They had a problem with a particular ingredient and they apparently have corrected that now. There was a campaign way back in the day, actually, around about 2010. I was reading an own English story in the Examiner at the time. A determined campaign by Tanora Faithful to ensure the future of the drink. Um, which is a, which he said is as synonymous with Cork as the Shandon Bells, Bamish, Murphy's, Tripe and Rasheen. Uh, but the good news back then was Coca-Cola took it over, but they said they were no longer going to be selling it in cans. Um, so that's gone. It's the little plastic bottles now. So at the time, the rumour around was that they were going to axe it completely. That wasn't the case, of course. Uh, they continued to brew it and has been brewed on Leaside since at least 1930. But they did make a couple of changes, though, um, the much-loved drink on Leaside. Following loads of research, uh, they came up with the idea that consumers told them that they wanted drinks with less sugar, apparently. So they made changes to Tanora to uh, reduce the sugar content. So... They brought out this new recipe to have the sugar and the ca- the calorie content, and that was done five years ago. But people now are saying that it just doesn't taste the same as it used to do. That's probably because it has less sugar. Now, it might have sweeteners instead of it, whatever the case may be, but the taste has certainly changed. So anyway, we took to the streets of Cork, or at least uh, Seamus did yesterday, to ask uh, Tanora lovers, should, for instance, uh, Tanora be a protected uh, product, if you like, under EU law, like the Waterford Blah, or like Champagne, or Parma Ham, or the Cornish Pasty, and stuff like that. Oh, I love Tenora. What is it about it? Tenora is just it's a cock. It's a cock drink. It's a cock. Do you know? Really, it's really nice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. The bottles, but no, that. I actually bring it to Dublin because my aunt loves it. When she came to Cork. That's when you when you when you bring them out for the night. Yes. That's what she got. That's what she took, and she loved it ever since. So anytime we go to Dublin, we bring the Tanora rock to Tanora should never be got rid of. It's one of the cock all the all the strings. And should we sell it outside the county or just keep it in Cork? Or keep it in Cork. Oh, absolutely. Or keep it in Cork. Right out to the very border. Keep it in Cork. I think there's nothing like it. Yeah, but we will remember the box. Do you remember Tanora? I do. Yeah, we remembered the bottles yeah. years ago, and now the old bottles. Yeah, now they have to. Oh. Yeah. No, I still I still get bottles of it. Yeah, it's beautiful drink. It's beautiful. We're tough seeing the hot weather. Yeah.
We want more and more and more and more. Well, sure, that was the tagline, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That was right, sir. But yeah. it's the only thing of all the brands, uh, that was the only thing killed the tops. Killed the tops. Mm-hmm. I remember going up to, up to the, the Bats Lango, up the Western Road, remember the Bats? Yeah. And my man would have a bag, a big carrier bag, and she'd have about four big bottles of Tanora. And how long would they last? Wouldn't ask us to do it. Not for us. Not for us. Oh my god, Tanora. It's always Tanora. You should keep the cock, Tanora. When we were drinking Tanora, when Tanora was a big thing in the 1950s, there was no shingles like that. I yeah. can honestly say, and I, I was a radio fan myself, but uh, I never, I can honestly say, I never heard that. Yeah, but I tell you, like, in, when we were young, like, you'd only see Tanora at Christmas. You'd only see it at Christmas, mm, like, that's right. if, you were, if you were well off, you might get it at, at some fellow's birthday party. <laughs> It was a real thing, like and Tenora. It was. Uh, I remember we. I remember when we were young. We we used to play. We were playing a match. We were playing matches. I was. We all. I was living in John Street, and we were playing uh, a crowd up in uh, Spangle Hill, you know. And uh, we won. We had this little cup, and anyway, we had this little cup, and uh, we won it anyway. And we we got a bottle of Tenora, just a small bottle of Tenora, and we were all getting a sup of the cup, and you said, pour it in. And the minute would fizz up, we'd be saying, drink it, drink it, drink it, quick, 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 drink it, wait to fizz up. So then we could all get a drink out of the, the cup of the Tanora. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pascal, it was on short supply recently, which led to worries that Tanora was going to be no longer. So should Tanora now be on the same level as the bland Waterford protected by law? I think so, because Tanora and Cork Kids were... Synonymous. Synonymous. We were together. I mean, there's no thing as soft drinks like you, know, you had Tanora. Tanora was the only one you'd have. And we all had, we all grew up with it. And once you got Tanora, you were away, in, you were away for slates. Tanora has to survive. Because it's, it's part of Cork's tradition. You know, it's, it's always been. I thought it was gone. Did you? I did. I didn't know you could still get to know it. You could get the new recipe and the old recipe made by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola? Yeah. I didn't realise they'd make any local drinks. Um, Especially um, a cock drink like Tanora. Next time I'm off to drink, I might try Tanora for (laughs) a bottle of Tanora somewhere. (laughs) Tanora, just memories of my childhood. Growing up, there was very little (laughs) soft drinks, so Tanora was probably the number one in Cork at the time. And I still drink it, I still go in for a bottle of it, now and again. Because it was um, in short supply over the last few weeks. It was, I've called to one or two places, you're dead right. There was no deliveries, that's what I was told at one place in Turner's Cross that I would normally buy it in. So hopefully you can do it. We'll have to ring Neil about it to see can he do something about it. Well, we are because we're thinking maybe starting a campaign to have Tenora on the same level as the Blair protected in European and law. I would agree with that 100%. The Blair, what the Blair has done for Waterford, Tenora will do for her. Oh, Tenoria. Oh, not the same. No, why not? Not the same taste from us. Not the same. No, not definitely not the same taste from Tanora as what there was before. But they're telling us now that there's an original version of it coming out now. That's right, I was listening to that note this morning actually. 
but um, I wouldn't buy it now. I wouldn't. I haven't bought it in ages. And it's a Cork institution. Yeah, I wouldn't buy it because I bought it before and it didn't taste anything like it tasted before. I remember when we used to get it in Jennings, and it would be a taste of you know really tannor from it, but it's not. Unless now, when you say that they're bringing it out again. Maybe. <laughs> Do you think we should protect it like they protect oh, the land Waterford? Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been there for generations. It's gone, but whatever they've done to it and whatever they took out of it, they made a mess of it. But they should, if they can bring it back to the original, I say it would be a bestseller. Yeah. But you don't have any people talking about it, no, really. Unless you throw it up. It's got a I love it. I love that Vox. A great friend of mine in that there, Eddie the Tile. Morning to Eddie O'Sullivan, featured in that Vox. Hope you keep him well, pal. I love the parts of that where they said, it's the only thing that killed the thirst. Not killed, but killed. K-I-L-T. The only thing that killed the thirst. Somebody else says, we'd only ever get it at Christmas. Not Christmas. Christmas. M-U-S. It's a great article, actually, in... uh, online overnight on Cork Bio with Cork mispronunciations. I'll go through some of them in a few minutes. But they changed the taste. But this has been knocking around for a couple of decades, actually, changing or tinkering with the, the, the flavours of, of, of Tanora. And if you go back far enough, um, when Jerry Buttimer, who actually spent five years away to be a priest in Maynooth in the 1980s, there was even a campaign in the 80s. He joins me by WhatsApp. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and that was an extraordinary piece of box box. Well done, Seamus. <laughs> it's very funny. It was. Real Cork character. But it was, Go on. It, but it was true, though, Neil, because it, it was predominantly a, a Christmas drink. Uh, Christmas. In my case, um, Christmas, yeah. And I remember we won a street league competition in Bishopstown GA Club. We, we filled the cup with Tanora. It was like winning the All-Ireland, but the Tanora was the big thing. And my mother-in-law, Miss O'Leary in Blackwater Grove, she still gives us Tanora every Sunday with Sunday dinner. So it's fantastic. It's Do you know that some people cup. actually warm it in a saucepan? Yes, my father did it. My father used to do it. And, and, and used to use and, and, and used to do it with boiled crisp and uh, put the crisp into the frying pan, heat them, and you'd have a boiled tenora and a, and a, and a, and it's kind of a toasted crisp sandwich as a treat. Sounds uh, awful, but I mean, I must try it. Fabulous. It was, but, but Neil, I, as you said, I was in Minute in the eighties, and I persuaded Mister Barry and Barry's shop, God rest him, um, to to become a supplier of tenora. And I went to, at the time. I'm going from memory. It used to be Jay Daly and company. That's produced it. it. But then I think the Coca-Cola bottling plant out in the straight road used to do it. That's right. Um, and yeah. I'm open to correction on that, but I'm going from memory now. But then eventually we got we got Tenora brought to Minute and then Quinsworth, or well, the Quinsworth was before Tesco. They then jumped in on the act. They did a big store in, in Minute and they discovered that the students liked Tenora <laughs> for a variety of different reasons and that was what happened then there. So it was, it was phenomenal. It was great. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. You were probably putting inside, inside in the dorms or inside in where you lived you were putting shot, shots of vodka into it or shots of whiskey into it, I suppose. <laughs> But, but Neil, in our case, so in Minute, obviously we were there for seven, eight weeks at a time. But people used to go into each other's rooms for cups of tea, kind of that was the kind of thing. But in my case, it was Tanora was what fellas wanted because it, it wasn't. It was really just a predominantly a cork drink. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. and 
then the lads used to just enjoy this beautiful tangerine taste and, and it was just it became a, every you going back to Minute every every trip back had to be at home. My mother, God bless her, would have three or four two litre bottles of tenora in the in the suitcase going back. You know, the suitcase was full, it was heavy with everything, but it was just tenora predominantly and other stuff. That's it. I remember yeah. when I'd come home from Canada I would go back with uh, Denny's sausages and jars of old time Irish hardcore hard course marmalade. <laughs> the there things you go. we do. And but throw in the Barry's tea and throw in the Barry's tea as well then. But you see Oh yeah Barry's tea too. Like we, yeah. But we, we have in Cork a, a tradition of great food and, and, and beverages like you think of Murphy's, Beamish, Barry's tea, tripe and Jashane, spiced beef, tenora, Chester cake. Tri- you know, they're all Cork things that we need they to They go well together, actually, support. wouldn't they? A piece of donkey's gudge and a cold tenora. That would work well, wouldn't it? Absolutely beautiful. You're making my moat water now, El today. No, you went, <laughs> but you went to battle again then. Now. You went to battle again then, round about 2010, I think, was it? Ten, yeah. Own English and the Irish Examiner um, discovered that there was an issue around the production of the can and and bottles, and they were going changing it. The far, they were going changing two parts. One was the the, the, the kind of the, the bottle, and secondly, they didn't they didn't they then did change some of the ingredients due to the whole kind of sugar tax coming in. But we we in fairness to Own English, I, I give him the credit. He led the campaign, and there was a Facebook group created. That, that forced a petition and then the Coca-Cola changed the whole model at the time, which is great because it is a Cork tradition that we shouldn't be afraid to, to stand up for and fight for. And I know it's trivial in the, in the overall, as you said earlier, different issues around... Not at things, all. I mean, it's, it's, important. it's good fun. Of the, we can be not doom and gloom all of the time, you know. Yeah, it's a bit of fun. No, and I suppose the big thing, Neil, is that now we've, we, we should, at a European level, I think... Look to see, as Seamus there said in his piece about the water for Blair. But the difficulty we have is that the water for Blair was 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 on by the European Commission, designated under the protection uh, of designation of origin. Now I can hardly say that we can we can hardly say that tangerines are produced in Cork. No, but the drink is. I mean, it's an ingre- like you can hardly the say that is. the Blair is primarily made with Waterford flour. In fairness, um, I mean, it's only but a glorified could- it's only a glorified bun or a bap for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but what we can do is under the protected geographical indication where at least one stage of production uh, is taking place in the county of origin so in our case Cork so the product name the product production and the majority of the raw materials are, are sourced you can argue in Cork let's so make that happen get, Fien- get Fine Gael on board on that will you get that sorted get it done well, I, I, I'm going to talk well you, you know we have the Taoiseach and the Minister for Public and Simon Corbyn. Well, can we find out, can we put in a question to all three of them then? <laughs> Simon, Michal and Michael as to whether they drink Tanora. Would you say that Michal Martin's a Tanora drinker? I'd say he is, yes, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I think they all are. We're all cock people, so we're all very ordinary people in Cork. All right, okay. We all like the small things in life. Then I have a statement from a programme that I did in January of 2018 because the Tanora was back on the agenda again because they did change the recipe and they reduced the sugar. Uh, and we contacted them about it and they said that it's just the way things go, wider sugar reduction in all drinks. And they came out with a new recipe and people don't like it. Have you noticed a difference? It's, it's, I think it's it's a minor change, but again, I'm only. I, I suppose my thing is this tenora, and there is a change. Lots, lots of things have changed, but it would be great to go back to the old ways, the old full kind of old, old tenora as we knew it growing up. But I suppose the the important thing for me is that it's about protecting and and preserving what we have. 
I think there's an opportunity genuinely all bond hubs aside now under the protected geographical indication with European Commission and European Union to, to, to fight for this. And I think it's important that we would, you know, do that because if you think about it, Neil, you've been very good in your program around promoting old Cork um, and you had Eddie O'Brien on earlier, you know, and, and the story of Eddie and, and about him going off to matches. Like spice beef, tenora, be. chester cake, tripe and trichine, you know, what else are Cork foods that are, are kind of, you know, if you ask the modern young person today, would they eat Chester cake or Chester? Don't eat it. Grudge. I've been trying to bait it into them. Yeah, they don't like it. I got some delivered by the Shawleys here on Friday. I had about three slabs of it myself. The younger generation around here kind of, they begrudgingly taste it and pretend they like it, but I know they don't. You know? I remember, Neil, before, yeah, before our wedding, we went, we had turkey and ham, and we, and we wanted spiced beef as part of the turkey and ham as part of the, one, of the, one of the dishes. And the chef said to me, you can't put spiced beef. And I said, I went up, we're from Cork, and it's a Cork wedding. And he, in fairness to him, he did, and there was spiced beef was included in the menu. So I think we could fight for all the things, you know. <laughs> yeah, if I had my time back again, I think we had profiteroles. I was married 30 years on, on Sunday. Um, and thank you, Paula, for sticking with me. But um, if I had my time back again, we'd, we, uh, thank you. I wouldn't have had profiteroles. Fitteros, I would have had a giant slab of Chester cake for the wedding. <laughs> that would have gone down well. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Lovely though. It's beautiful, yeah. Absolutely beautiful. All See, right. I went to school in Farm Forest Needham. We used to go to Hayes' shop in the bottom of Watery Lane and you get your bottle of milk and your, and your slice of Chester cake for, I think it was five pence at the time. So it was kind of, they were the good old days as well. The good old days, right. Well, lead the charge on that and make it, give it some form of protective status. And while you're at it, see if you can do the same for Chester cake, would you? I think we'd be on a winner there, Neil. I, I think it's important, but it is important, though, genuinely, that we 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 protect some of our own traditions in terms of our own food and beverages in Cork. And we've had a huge. I mean, you remember Haji Baz, Top of Life. Right. I mean, you know, they were all fabulous things we were growing up. You know, you can still buy have. that actually. That's still being produced up the country somewhere. You can still get it in the, the market. market. Yeah, it is, yeah, you still yeah. get in the market. Yeah, you do. You get in the market. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Listen, but I'll take up the fight, Neil, and we'll see how we get on. Much obliged to you, as always. Thank you, Jerry. Take care, Senator Jerry Bummer. Text 0868104106. So, some texts on this one. Definitely. I was baptized in a fountain of Tanora, and my mother baited me across the head with bottles of it for years. I bleed tangerines, says Gary. A morning, definitely bring the old recipe back. Why did they get rid of a good thing? Uh, Fiona says, it's just impossible to get at the moment. They need to revert to the old recipe fast. It's too fizzy and barely taste the tangerine now. I prefer the old version. I'd love a bottle of it now in front of me. We did try this morning, but we couldn't get it. But if you have a good slug of cold tanora, for instance, right? Um, you're, obviously, you start, your eyes start to water and your nose starts to go. And before you know it, of course, you're burping and belching and what have you. But that's the fizz. They changed the taste five years ago, never the same afterwards. Then, around the same time, the original Fanta Exotic was banned and replaced with Fanta Exotic No Sugar. Can't we have anything nice anymore, says Patrick. Drinks now are nothing like they were in the 70s or 80s. Tanora, Sidona in particular were lovely, but now they taste nothing like they did. Even 7-Up is absolutely awful. The regular one is full of artificial flavours. You can still get the proper 7-Up and Pepsi Soda Stream concentrate like these things on eBay, but they're not like the original. Um, anyway, another one or two here. Miss the stuff since I went to live in the UK. It's the go-to medicine when you're sick. Heated Tanora. And I see some other texts there with regards to heated Tanora. Uh, we have to have Tanora now. I know why I couldn't get it. 
I introduced my grandchildren to it, much to their parents' dismay. But it's the one of the things that I bring with me when I'm visiting them, says Mary. And she's wondering why she couldn't get it recently. Well, now you know there was a problem with an ingredient, but they'll sort it out, they said, and it'll be back soon. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Actually, it's amazing the response to things that you think would just get a couple of calls and a few texts. Just on the topic of Tanora, Brendan says, one way to save it or to increase sales is that all gin and vodka drinkers should be promoted to use Tanora as a mixer with loads of ice. There'd be no going back and sales would absolutely fly. I played you a little ad from uh, South Coast Radio way back in the 80s for Tanora on air. Uh, Texter says, that brings back memories of Tanora and South Coast Radio. In the early 80s, I won a slogan competition for Tanora. The prize was a leather jacket and a crate of Tanora. I can't remember the slogan, but I know it had the line in it, we adora Tanora. (laughs) That's a winning slogan anyway. And this one is lovely, but I just can't see why this happened. But he says, I remember as a kid, my dad worked in Irish Shell. Our treat on a Friday was a bar of fruit and nut and Tanora. Listen to this bit. Shell went on strike, so we moved to TK Red Lemonade. Why? I mean, am I missing something? Shell went on strike. Why'd you stop drinking Tanora? Anyway, moved to TK Red Lemonade. Oh my God, the world had ended. Looking back, what great parents they were, trying to make sure we had our treat, even when they were on strike and getting no pay. Brilliant. Can you imagine the Tanora story smaller on Cork? Was it that TK Red Lemonade was much cheaper and you bought it in the big, huge bottles and you get it for half the price? Maybe. Because of the strike, there was no wages, so... The belts had to be tightened and Tanora proved to be too expensive. Anyway, keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Can I just say, um, last weekend, there's a story in the paper this morning of a pub, right? It's a pub in the UK that served a roast beef dinner. 18 euro worth of a Sunday lunch. And like people do, they take photographs of things and they share them online. But this pub has been mocked seriously for serving up a roast dinner with the actual roast beef smaller than the Yorkshire pudding. Um, And to add insult to injury, no disrespect, but they served frozen uh, Yorkshire puddings. You know, the small little, like like the Auntie Aunt Bessie style Yorkshire puddings, the small little round ones. You buy them frozen, so they weren't even chef-made in the in the pub itself. So the tiniest scraps of beef, a charred ball of stuffing. You know chefs that only give you the tiniest little drizzle of gravy on your food? I can't stand that because I love loads of gravy. And sometimes it's just a kind of a swish of, an, of a spoon, the back of a spoon of gravy. But anyway, there was murder about it because he actually says, he says, where's the rest of it? Is that it? I mean, where's the beef? So that makes the papers today. How did you find your beef, sir? Well, I found it like hidden underneath a frozen Yorkshire pudding, actually. But I mentioned that actually because I took a photograph of what was supposedly sold to me as a toasted ham and cheese sandwich at the weekend. And I posted it up firstly on my Instagram page and then the lads shared it on Twitter and on Facebook because it really was the saddest, most awful toasted ham and cheese that I've ever come across or paid for. Um, it was very sad. Firstly, it was um, one tiny bit of sliced ham. Now, what I want is something like you get in the Long Valley with a big stack of meat 
and then a big stack of uh, salad or a big stack of cheese, and then toasted with crusty cutty bread. This was a sliced pan, um, uh, half a slice of an easy single, and the tiniest bit of, of ham. They were under severe pressure. They really and truly were. But we got a massive response to it, right? And people talking about toasted sandwiches and where you get the best one and where you get the worst one or the photograph of the toasted sandwich that I shared. It also prompted one or two calls. And there is a claim now going out from Dermot O'Sullivan who took over Idaho uh, down in the city and is uh, open there. It's called Greenwich now. Uh, and apparently they do a lot of really great sandwiches, including, I think, probably the king of all sandwiches, the Reuben. Dermot, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Why don't you make it the photograph first, anyway? Um. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty shocking, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm never, I'm never going to say where it was, although it was a beach location, a beach cafe. They were under unbelievable <laughs> pressure. Then they were, and, yeah. and the way, and the way it was, everybody got one of these numbers, you know, on a stick, and you put yeah, the number pretty- on your table, <laughs> and then they find you. But like yeah. half an hour yeah. passed, and forty minutes, and people were going back in, making things worse. Going in asking, where's my pizza? Where's my... And they were just absolutely yeah. floored, right? Brilliant. <laughs> it was a sunny yeah. day, but this was the yeah. result of it. So would you serve something like that? Um, no, we, we, we do a great Reuben down here. We're kind of where it's, it's after getting a bit of popularity down here at Reuben. We use uh, spiced beef from Tim Lucati and English Market. And uh, uh, we do a great toasty down here, yeah. So what I was saying is that... Uh, you should call down and uh, try it out for yourself. You know what else is in that Reuben? Then is it crusty bread? We have uh, bread, sourdough. We get from our beaches, our own Russian dressing. We make here ourselves, and then we have the spicy, like I said, and then bandon bale cheddar as well. And you know, a good uh, a good lunch, you know, a substantial lunch. There. Any bit so. of sauerkraut going on in there? No, oh, there's sauerkraut there as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 pretty popular. Yeah, it's, yeah. Is uh, it is it the, is it the go to then? Is that what people order the most? Um, at lunch it would be right. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, we have you know we have salads here as well, and we have uh, you know we we change the menu a good bit. You know with the seasons and all that. But but yeah, no, it, it is very popular, and uh, the spiced beef is great. You know, it's uh, good quality pork spiced beef, and people like that. You know? Isn't it amazing to have so. people like yourself sourcing and using all local ingredients? That's incredible. All local. Yeah, we, we we yeah we try to do our best here now to source it as locally as we can to leave some ball to a farm and so forth. That's and, brilliant. You know, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's that it's that detail that we're going to hear that you know people like us and you know it's valued for money and it's good quality. So are you so, happy yeah. so far? I know you took over in January down in Carolyn Street. What are you doing Tuesday to Sunday brunch and things like that? We're we're doing at the moment we're doing Tuesday to Sunday. We, I then changed the menu to a brunch offering on Saturday and Sunday, and that's going well for us. You know, um, we're growing steadily. We're quite happy. You know, and uh, the sun now and things like that bring people out because we've lovely outdoor tourists here and all that. So yeah, it's so far so good in a way, thankfully, and uh, people are, are supporting the place and so forth. So we couldn't couldn't ask for any more. Long may it continue. Yeah. Good luck to you. Thanks, I'll be in for a toasted Reuben. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what you're on about then. All right. All right. Uh, all right. We'll see you soon. Thanks Take care, Dermot. Thanks. All the best. Bye, bye. So that's bye, bye. Uh, if you're in- actually. Can I just say that's the toasted Reuben? Say for instance at Greenwich, over in Jewtown, you have Sonny's Deli, which does an incredible Reuben roll. I don't know if anybody's had one of those. I would advise you some lunchtime to get one, but be very hungry because they're enormous. And I would also say, I mean, obviously check out Greenwich in fairness, but the Sonny's Deli Reuben roll is just 
unbelievable. But you have to be early. If you rock in there at a quarter to two of a lunchtime, they will be sold out. So you need to get in there early. Um, they're incredible and uh, they sell out very fast. So that's Rubens over in Jewtown. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. I'll tee up a couple of uh, competitions in a moment, but I think we have, uh, generally, we have a, pro- a filling problem in sandwiches in Ireland. We're getting better, you know, with regards to things like the Long Valley and, and some places where the fillings are f- fairly substantial. But I think, by and large, we do have a filling problem, particularly if it's the, like the meat or, or the chicken or whatever the main ingredient is we're a bit too sparse on it or at least those that are serving us their sandwiches we need more filling and we need more beef or more ham or more cheese you know it's just they're sparse they kind of be mean some people are getting better at it like there's a Maxon on the Douglas Road near me and they do fantastic cutty sandwiches cutty bread with loads in it but then you go into other places and they're just appalling it's the one slice of ham it's just not fair there should be numerous so anyway just on that uh, I paid 8.35 and the people are sending me photographs for this tiny ham and cheese toasty not even a salad or a crisp on the side it came out it looks awful it comes out on a plate in a restaurant and it's burnt and you ate it and paid for that. I had one in y'all a few weeks ago. It was like eating a sandal from the Gladiator movie, says Brian. This is just specifically toasties, toasted ham and cheese. My sister and I stopped at a well-known coffee shop for two coffees and two toasted ham and cheese sandwiches. It cost me 21 euro for the privilege of two dry, under-toasted bits of bread, unmelted cheese and the tiniest bit of ham. It was chewy, cold and yucky. We ate it simply because we were starving. But we won't go back again. Does anybody then say, listen, sorry, that wasn't great, you know? I ordered a toasted special. It came out cold, barely toasted, so the cheese hadn't melted, full of onions. Sent it back, returned it with one bit of ham and cheese around the edges, says Mick. Um, A toasted ham and cheese is a toasted ham and cheese. A toasted ham and cheese special then becomes the ham, the cheese, the onion and the tomato. Isn't that the difference? Um, Sean says, I don't get this. And the photograph of Neil's toasted ham and cheese. It's got bread. It's got cheese. It's got ham. What's the problem here? <laughs> Take a look at the photograph. That's what the problem is. Well, you did buy it in Kerry. So anything is possible. Neil, surely be to God there was a second half to it. Other than that, it just looked like a toasted ham and cheese to me. Martin, are you serious? There was a second half. I consumed the first half of it and took a photograph of the second half of it, but believe me when I tell you both were the same. I had similar in a pub two weeks ago, but I got lasagna. The top layer was like chewing gum. I'll never go back there, says Brenda. I actually wouldn't order lasagna off a menu myself, because I'd always be wary about how long it's been knocking around, the quality of the beef in it, whether it was fresh or frozen, it's just one of those things. Uh, Bernie says, I can tell you, it looks a lot better than the toasty I got. Can anybody make a proper toasty anymore, says Bernie? Well, the gang down in Greenwich and Caroline Street uh, are convinced that they can. So do check them out. Uh, That was bought in a deli counter or a petrol station. You didn't buy that in a cafe. It's wrapped in paper from a deli counter. It was wrapped because I eventually was waiting so long for it that we got it to go. People wanted to go swimming, you see. Anyway, text 0868104106. Thank you for all those. Between now and midday, lots to do. And amongst it, we have another €250 voucher for JJ Walsh's. Have we got an update on JJ Walsh's as to yesterday's prize? Because we had two winners and we were going to split the prize. So today it's another €250 voucher for the new Heritage Bar on Oliver Plunk Street. What opens tomorrow? 
and there'll be three bars, including a cocktail bar, an outdoor bar, live music, there's even a stage there, and the food source that they serve will be from the English market. So we have 250 euro vouchers to give away every day this week for JJ Walsh's on Oliver Plunkett Street. How do you win? Well, I'm giving people 60 seconds on air to tell us your favourite place in Cork and why. It can be the city, the suburbs or anywhere in the county. You'll get 60 seconds to come on air and tell us about your favourite place in Cork and why. So think about that for now. All right, think about that for now. Uh, and in about 20 minutes time, I'll open the phone lines and give you an opportunity to book in your 60 second slot. As well as that, Cork and a Fork starts today on Leaside. And between now and midday, there's a big Princess Street dining experience happening tonight. It's called Taste of Princess Street. It's a big dinner. And we have two tickets to give away for it. It's sold out at this stage. 200 people uh, will sit seated along the new pedestrianized street at a long dinner table. And the different restaurants then from Princess Street will serve you your food and the drinks to go with it. And it kicks off a five-day celebration of food on Leaside called Cork on a Fork. So tonight, it's Taste of Princess Street. So I have two tickets. These tickets are worth €125 each. I'll be giving them away in a pair. So if you can go tonight, make sure you stay listening. When I open the phone lines, it's your opportunity to get on board and to get involved and to get dressed up somewhat go out and uh, celebrate tonight on Princess Street. Just this side of uh, 11 if you don't mind because I will run out of time otherwise uh, later on because Alan is all over the place. You might recall the story. I tried to get him on the air yesterday. They had a horrific accident in the camper van. Wet weather. It turned over. It flipped and flipped and flipped. How they walked away from it alive, I have no idea but they're trying to get home. So I might have an opportunity now if the line is good. Alan, good morning. Morning, you know. I'm good. Now you were trying to get a train yesterday to move to the coast, weren't you? Yeah, we got a train down as far as a little town called Morlay. Um, so it's near the ferry. And thanks to yourself, Michael McGrath, um, Fusion, Oscar Old Report, the Cork, Lucky. The list is endless. Um, we're, we're just humbled with the response we got from... Sorry we couldn't get you home last night, but it's going to happen at the very earliest was Friday. And thanks to Brittany Ferries and all of the people you just mentioned. Are you all right with that? Oh, you were fantastic. Everyone involved were fantastic. And we're absolutely humbled with the response we got from our hometown, past West and Monkstone and all the surrounding areas, the people we know. It's just, um, it's been outstanding. Yeah, yeah people are great. To, it's proud to be Irish, like, with the response we people got. People are great. Fantastic. How are you coping after the event? Is it getting any easier? I mean, the shock and the um, horror well, and the... Well, it's kind of up and down, like, we're... we're this morning now we woke up in the hotel and I was like if I'll have to go on three ten rounds with Mike Tyson, black and blue and very sore. I know. Um my wife is up and down, she's getting kids and kids are fantastic. They're down the pool and they're they're after coming back and they seem to be great, like you know, but um they're having the ball. But uh, my wife Lucy, she kinda gets sent bags, obviously bags fitting boats of them. Yeah, well, you get flashbacks. flashbacks. Yeah, you would. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. And I hope that they pass over time, you know. Yes, look, look, we're going to consider, I suppose, getting yourself checked out when we go over and maybe go through a bit of coffee. It was an but, awful yeah. accident. It was a terrible, yeah, it's terrible been, It's event. been terrible, but you know what? Um, we're alive and You're alive. I don't know how, as you said on the radio, I don't know how we're alive. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. It's quite a miracle. Like someone was looking down mostly. Yeah. Well, how you walked away from that, and the lads in the back, in particular, your two sons. So Friday night, then there's places for the four of you on the Brittany ferry to Roscoff. I think it might be a case of trying to enjoy a couple of beach days between now and then. 
Yes, we're going to go into the town tomorrow, and I know it's meant to be a beautiful town. We were being, we were being brought up there, but the taxi actually was very funny yesterday evening. And uh, he, I, 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 I got the impression the taxi man thought we were English, and he uh, was showing us the village while we were going through, and he said, our village was attacked by the, the British back in the day. And I said, huh, funny enough, I said, our country was a well, and he's kind of laughing like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that was quite funny, like, you know. <laughs> At least you can laugh. And he shook my hand in when he shook my hand in when he found out I was Irish. That's like. right. It makes a big difference, doesn't it though, Alan? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like and the French over here have been like we've been talking to people now and they've asked us and obviously we tell them the story and showing the pictures on the phone and like we went to one place now and they didn't even charge us for a meal and they gave us drinks and so, yeah, look everyone concerning in this episode. At home, family, yourselves, Isn't everyone that? that has been over and above. Even French people, the generosity of them, comping your lunch yeah. and drinks. That's yeah. a wonderful thing. So yeah, Tiernan, Tiernan and Archie are having a ball then? They're having a ball. They're down in the pool now and we're waiting on a cab to go into, into Murray for the day. I have to buy my wife a new dress because she has more clothes. <laughs> oh, fair play. So, uh, might I, might yeah. try and have a quick chat with you on Friday see how things are going. Yeah, that's no no problem at all. Just no problem whatsoever. And I, as I say, like um, everyone back home and yourselves, look, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Not a bother, like, it's, not it's, a bother. It's humbling. You know, all right, enjoy your few days. Hope you can get a bit of good weather. I won't plague you. I'll just give you a quick call on Friday, make sure everything is going well, all right? No problem at all. Thank all you right, very take much. Take care, Alan. Good luck to you Bye-bye. and to your wife, Bye-bye. Lucy, and to the two kids, Tiernan and Archie. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Alright, uh, just a couple of texts and emails to keep on top of things Carry out off-license in Grona Brohurst Tanora, I got it from my dad two days ago Super value in Carrigal Line As I said, was centre on the Glasheen Road Some garages up around Fromoy um, uh, With regards to uh, vid- some video footage that I saw last night Yeah, you are right when you say Sickening news locally yet again this is from Balancholic. Thugs burned the playground near Lidl in Balancholic last night. Texter says, it's the second time in a week. No sign of day-to-day guarded patrols in general down here, let alone ever at night. And antisocial behaviour and violence, violence is at worrying levels, says the texter. The local fire station is still closed. It's also sad. It's frustrating and unacceptable for an area with a population of over 22,000 people, says a listener from Balancholic. Uh, yeah, I've seen the photographs, seen the videos, saw the fire and the smoke, and that's the playground near Lidl in Balancholic. Literally just burned. Why it happens? I have absolutely no idea. I was mentioning actually adverts for nurses and midwives in Australia where life is better, the quality of life is better, the wages are better, and you'll have a lovely, lovely time. Texter says, our nurses are the heartbeat of our medical system. Every time I go to CUH, they're building something. The state should build accommodation for medical staff to keep nurses, junior doctors and everybody here as they go to Sydney. And when they go there, they get free accommodation and 80 grand a year. They get great weather and they get a proper career path to advance on. Give them accommodation while on duty, for God's sake. Build staff blocks like colleges build student blocks. It's crazy this country's ideas of where they put money 
is just so stupid. Interesting thoughts. Keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. Then um, the issues of preschool. I was talking about this earlier on this morning. Um, and how difficult it is if you're in the preschool teaching career path. I'm a preschool teacher and I'm still waiting for my social job seekers benefit. I have four children going back to school in a fortnight and have nothing got as I have no money to get anything. Uh, this is to get um, job seekers benefit during the summer. I've emailed over and over and they say there's just a backlog. My colleagues have received their job seekers benefit and I'm still waiting since the middle of June. Uh, no wonder they can't keep staff in childcare. This is not ha- happening. No wonder they can't. we can't keep staff in this country. Meanwhile, somebody has a, a reason for it. It's because we have 18 Southside and 12 Northside councillors in City Hall. And it's the Norries who always get the bums rush from City Hall. Have a look at the open dumping in Blackpool Village, especially under the flyover where it's regularly happening. And the joke is that there's CCTV cameras overlooking the dumping area. But this goes on for years. Nothing's been done. It's disheartening what Northside people have to put up with, particularly from City Hall, says Bobby by text. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll pick it up after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Marion, thanks for taking the call. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. You were listening to my conversation on air with uh, Claire, whose sister Kay is uh, in jail, discharged from mental health services and in jail in Limerick. And that prompted a very lengthy email. So thanks for chatting with me, um, because in some ways you're in the same boat, also discharged from mental health services. Is that right? Yeah. So do you feel all alone and helpless now without the services that you need? Yeah, like, I've literally, but I've tried everything I can to, like, try to stick with it. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and be mistreated by them. Like. And how how do you make out that you're that you're being mistreated? Just tell me the backstory. Well, like, like, the past, like, kind of, like, few months and stuff like that. Like I said, I was struggling and, like, suicidal and stuff like that. And then he was like... Yeah, but you look fine to me. So, like, we'll see you in eight weeks. Like, no support or nothing in between. And this is from a GP. There's only one in the area where you live. And no, this is the psychiatrist. He's the whole person for the whole area. So, if you don't get on with him, it's basically like you're on your own. And why? And why do you actually, in the first place, need psychiatric services and help? How did it get that bad? Because I was struggling with like PTSD symptoms, and. Um, I had like a kind of like a sexual assault happen like two years ago. Oh dear! Um, and yeah, I, I yeah, the, I was I was told about that. You were you were at a party, I think, were you? And you were staying over, yeah. was it? Yeah. And do you recall what happened? Yeah, like I remember everything. Like it was like it was just like. Obviously, like drinking and stuff like that. Yeah, but and that's then, fine. I mean, you you go to a party and you have a few drinks. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just like I went to bed early, and I thought it was my friend, but it actually wasn't. And then whatever ended up happening anyway, and then it all like happened fast. Like, but I it took me a few days to kind of register what like happened, but. Like, it was a very bad assault that, like, I couldn't really walk for a few days. 
and stuff like that. I had quite a few injuries and stuff like that. Oh, my God, that's horrific. Oh, my God. You had a party yeah. and you were staying over and you thought it was a friend who was sharing the bed. It wasn't. Mm. And you were sexually assaulted and raped while possibly yeah. incapacitated. Yeah. And it was a very, very, very brutal assault. Yeah, like I had um, a lot of like abrasions and like cuts and um, oh. I had like, quite a lot of like infections and when oh I, after a few days I like couldn't really like go to the bathroom or anything like that so I was like ringing, I was ringing my GP because I was like, I can't really like hear anything like that and yeah. he was like, um, he was like, but it doesn't sound like a UTI, you know? And uh, he was like, things like, obviously like a sexual assault took place, you know? Um, so, it, it took you It took you some time to piece together and work out what happened that night, didn't it? Yeah, like it took me a few days. Like I, like I still couldn't even say the words. Like it, not on to my GP was like, said the word first is when I actually like, could even come to terms with what happened. Like the word rape. Yeah. yeah, like I couldn't even say it. Were you try- after the horrific? Were you trying to maybe blank it out or not think about it or pretend it didn't happen? Yeah, and like it just wasn't working. Like I, I know, did like go bad on like drinking, but that was just to like help me like sleep because I wasn't able to like sleep. Totally understandable, misfortune. And totally understandable. And, like, it just, like, messed me up, like, even, like, with the way I, like, viewed my body and stuff like that. Like, I started to self-harm and stuff like that. That's terrible. Because of it. Young girl like you in your early 20s, for anyone it happened to, but young 20s and off at a party. Did did you report it? No, I didn't. But I went to, you know, the forensic exam you get done. In hospital? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, I have all the evidence there, so it's like, if I change my mind, I can report it, but... Well, were the... Were the gar- this is a couple of years ago, I know, two years ago, but were the guards involved? Were they called? Did they sat, sit and chat with you? No, I didn't want that. Didn't you? And was there a no. reason why you didn't want to? It's just like, you know, it's like all the stigma that comes with it, like, all the, like, you know, like, just all the stigma and it's like basically something you know they get away with it and it's like why would I put myself through isn't that an awful way to have to think yeah of talking about it when realistically at the end of the day he could get off with it like you know because you've probably seen way too many court reports where it does go into quite a lot of detail and you end up as you're feeling as if you're on trial of course is it yeah, and it's just like you even see like the effects of people who have like went to court. Like, and I was just like, I don't think I was strong enough for that. Like, did you share? Have you sat down and talked to anybody about what happened? Did you get any any friends or family? Does anyone know? Like, not really. Like, I mostly just like kept it to myself because I kind of like. It's just the kind of, like, stigma that comes with it. It's like, you know, when you start to tell people, you know, they kind of, like, some people would talk about you, like, as if you weren't friends for years. Like, you know, some people, it's like a kind of a believe thing or it's like, you know, you get blamed. Like, 
Why yeah. did you? Yeah. Why were we there in the first place? Why? Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I know. It's very, very sad that you would go through something like that and um, feel that there was no recourse to law. I can't help but think that this monster would do it again, you know? Mm. But it's like, I just think if the country had better like laws and stuff like that, then maybe people would feel better. You couldn't put yourself through I'll it. I, I understand that. That that may change, and the forensic evidence was taken. Who knows when yeah. you might be in a, a stronger position, you know? But but meanwhile, it's had a devastating effect on you, this rape, this attack, this sexual assault, because really um, you must be suffering all sorts of anxiety, stress, panic attacks. PTSD wouldn't be unheard of. Um, you know, fear about going out or being around people. Are you going through all of those kind of issues? Yeah, like I barely even like leave my house. I like don't like even all I wear is like baggy clothes. I even like I just literally can't even function. Like I can barely even eat or anything like that. And it's just like constant life. You've been living that life since this attack two years ago. Yeah, but like no support. Like in a night. You know, you reach out and you ask for help and then you're being told that you have something you don't even have and then you're not getting the treatment for it. Like, it's like, what hope is there? Like, you know? I know. I know. I know. Did you know this man? Yeah, I did. Do you see him? Yeah, I do. That's why I don't really go out. Have you had any interaction with him since? Just like one. Did he ever say anything to you? No, I, like, went the other way. You shouldn't have to live like that. You're trapped. You might as well be inside in jail. Mm -hmm. It feels like I am. Of course it does. Because your life's been taken away from you, the life you had that you were probably happy enough with. I was. I was doing so well, and that's why it's just like... It sucks, like, things can just change in an instant. Were you in college? Were you working? Have you stopped doing all of the things you used to do, Um, or what? I was supposed to go to college in September to to be a nurse, but I haven't even been able to go. So do you just stay at home now and avoid people? Yeah, literally. I just, like, stay in my room all day. I, like... I don't even like want to be outside. I don't really want to be around like anyone or anything like that. You see, I understand what you mean when you say I wear baggy clothes when I go out because I don't want to in any way show off any shape of my body. You're trying to hide your body away. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to be a target. So you try and look anonymous. Yeah, that's why I don't go out much. And do you live at home with your family? Yeah, I do. And would you not be able to talk to one of them, anyone? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's just like, I'm just not, like, they, they kind of know, like, what I go to, but they don't know, like, the reason but they've behind seen, it. I know, but they must have seen a rapid change in your personality. Uh, in your way of life, in your routines. I mean, 
you you were saying you were saying that you know when you sent to me sent me an email that um that your family could lose you because of the fact that you're not getting any proper help so they must yeah they they can't and like they're so worried like they try everything that they can but at the end of the day it's like they can't help me if they don't know what's going on but it's like the professionals do yes they just sit back and let you suffer. So like, the professionals you refer to, these could be counsellors or psychiatrists or GPs. Do they know that you were raped? Yeah, like, they all know. Like, my GP is brilliant. He, like, can't do more than enough. It's just the psych team that are letting me down, like, so bad. Like. The psych team? Yeah. Um, And you're telling me that you have been discharged from the psych services yeah he, he was like we've done all we can for us so um, we don't think there's any more but yeah I've haven't received no therapy no like one on one sessions or like even anyone to talk to us so like how have they helped me but they did put you on olanzapine they did put you on Seroquel they did put you on diazepam that's a lot yeah. of medication. How did that work out for you? It didn't work. Like it, it was just like it didn't help anything. It's like being drugged up. It's like it didn't fix anything. Like how is just drugs going to help you get through what you been through? Like and the, the, the meds just didn't agree with me either. They like changed my whole like personality they just made me feel way lower than what I already felt like you sound quite myself you, on them. Yeah, you sound quite low to me in better times were you a much happier more bubbly bubbly energetic young woman yeah, up like, for chats anyone would talk about me before and they'd be like she was like the funniest person in the room like she'd literally walk in a room and like everyone would just instantly be happy like and I like go everywhere, do things, you know. I know. And is anybody missing not having you around? Do friends ask after you? Text? Yeah, lo- loads. But oh. I just like, I just say that, like, or you know, I'm just like tired, or I'm just like not feeling going out, or oh, you know, I think I'd take a break from the drinkers and stuff like that. You just make up excuse after excuse. Yeah. And. Did you stop taking the various antidepressants? Yeah, I did. And I felt much better off it than I did. Were you deteriorating? Like, you were saying in your email that you were deteriorating on them and getting suicidal thoughts. Yeah, like, it, it was even worse. Like, I honestly, I didn't have my first attempt until after I started the medication. So you have tried? Yeah. Okay. Please don't, please don't do that again. I know it's, I know it's easy for me to say, you know. Um, it's, it's hard though. It's like when you feel like this and you're like, getting no support, you're like, what do I have? Like, and why then was there a diagnosis by somebody of emotionally unstable personality disorder? What is that? Um, it's basically the BPD, like borderline personality disorder. Basically, what um, 
your own sister was saying that she had was diagnosed with it's basically that but they just renamed it that Kay has who's um, yeah. in Limerick Jail also dis- discharged from services the only proper assessment I got done was when uh, the second psychiatrist came and diagnosed the autism that's the only proper assessment I have she came in and gave like there was questionnaires you have to fill and she asked you questions you know he didn't do that I just went in and was told that's what I have Autism. Yeah. Okay. And you hadn't known that, had you? Well, I kind of, like, knew. Like, you kind of know, but it's like you'd never know, like, the name for it. Like, growing up, I always knew. And how did you know? I mean, how was... It was ultimately diagnosed as autism, but how was that impacting on your life? In what way? Like, I, like, struggle to, like, communicate things. Like, I struggle with, like, selective mutism. So, like... I can just, like, stop talking for multiple, like, I, for, like, it could be anything between days and, like, months if I don't feel, like, safe or anything like that. Or, like, I can't communicate as well and I don't understand, like, certain, like, social, like, cues and stuff like that. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. A lot going on there. So that that, that form of autism, of course. Um, yeah. you were, but, but here's my understanding of it. You, you would have been living fine with that, right? Uh, and getting yeah. on with your life and going off to college and enjoying life. You went to a party. Yeah. Here's my understanding of it from what I'm reading into it. You went to a party, stayed, had a few drinks, fell asleep. A guy came in and raped you. Uh, it had a, a, a profound impact upon you and you went for help. Um, that's yeah. that to me. That's the help you needed. Um, a young girl having just been raped. In the past year, I've gotten to talk to nobody. I've gotten no help whatsoever. So it's like, how can I move on or anything like that if I can't get any support? But yet they're happy to discharge me saying that they did everything that they can when they've received nothing. Yeah, yeah. And what help did you want? What What should have worked after you reached out for help? Because clearly after that event you'd be having flashbacks and you'd be having, obviously, the physical aspect of it and the bruising and the personal issues that you described earlier on. How do you... Over, how, the plan was to help you to overcome all of that. Yeah. It's like all I wanted was just someone to talk, someone to listen, someone to literally just, like, work through. Like, that's all I ever wanted is someone just to talk, just so you can, like, talk for, like, five minutes or even, like, a half an hour and be like... You know, someone to just work through it with so you can talk to them and be like, just so you could say to one other person and, like, not feel like you were alone, like, you know? Would you talk, would you talk, would you talk with the professionals who help people in situations where they've been raped, sexually assaulted? Um, You know, have you heard of Mary Crilly and... There's a one-stop shop for that in Cork City, you know, the the Rape Crisis Centre, where they deal people with people, help people, you know, get referrals for people, talk and sit down and listen and give advice and counsel people like you. Would you do that? Yeah, I would. So if I were to give you her number or give her number to you, would you make an appointment and go and see her? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. You need to, because you need to, you need to, try and get your life back it, it may never be the same again I, I, I don't know 
maybe it's like a jigsaw and you'll have to put it back together piece by piece but it's time to start isn't it by talking to Mary Crilly or, or one of the councillors there who deal with people who've been through similar situations to you I understand when you when you talk about not wanting to go through the legal judicial system it's awful and it can be really really brutally cruel so you know it, you, you may change your mind but for now you don't have to feel guilty about that you know yeah, I know. But you need to try and live your life. I know, it's just hard when you've been trying for like two years to try to get support from a system that like doesn't want to help. Like, obviously I wouldn't have been referred to them for that if they weren't able to help. I don't, I don't know what else to say to you, you know, apart from you know, referring you to Mary, who really could be the first step in your recovery and plotting a course forward in your life. Um, yeah, it's just because you can't go on like this. You just can't. It's just so that like you know that your best chance of a normal life is to get the proper trauma therapy that you get from a psychologist, but you get. They won't give you one because I don't know why. They just, I just think they just pick and choose who they want to help in the mental health services because it's crazy what they're doing to people. Uh, you're not the first call, um, indeed. Uh, Kay, you know, Kay was not the first call of people who've been through systems that have failed them. You're not the first call of from people either who've been. Uh, taken out or discharged from the services. You're not the first person who has had uh, panic attacks that led, led to anger issues because of their mental health issues where they were arrested. Um, yeah. Either for it's their like, own safety or for the safety of their family members. I mean, what they need is help. Yeah, it's like you're treated like a criminal, basically, for like showing things of your mental illness. Like, what am I supposed to do? That's why I don't even like leave my house or anything like that. It's, that's a bit of it as well as because like so you can't show any signs that you're struggling because they're like oh let's just lock her up or something or like arrest her or something you know when you feel really low would you call Samaritans I tried um, pay the house but they just like rang like the guards and then you get like it's like a section something that they like arrest under and then it's like that's more traumatic than actually like going out there and talking <laughs> to that, professionals. Like, did that happen to you when you attempted to take your own life? Yeah, and it happened recently again because I attempted again recently because of how I've been feeling, and I was like reached out because my GP gave me their number because obviously I got discharged, so I had no like support and. I talked to someone from Pieta House and I was like, um, I was like, you know, I don't know. But then she was like, there's like support out there. But I was like, at that time, I was like, but I have none. Like, so I didn't really see a point. So mm. they just rang the guards because I was about to attempt. And then I just got like arrested and stuff like that, which was more traumatic. Than what it was happened so after like, the arrest? Where were you taken? Uh, to the mercy and that doctor did try he said I can admit you and keep you safe for the weekend but that 
doctor that I'm currently on was under. He was like, she'll be back Monday and he's just going to discharge you with no support. He was like, so... But that's sending a suicidal person back out to do whatever they wish, including end their own yeah. life. When course, I literally would have went through with it if I wasn't arrested. You see, look at the impact it's had on your life that, that this man who raped you, who came into the sanctity and the privacy of a safe place like your bed and did what he did to you, and now you're left with all of the broken pieces. Yeah. And it's just oh, so you can't put them back together. Like, uh, well, like, you know, you never know. Maybe you will, with a little bit of help. Yeah, but I'm like, it's crazy that the mental health services are allowed to do that. Like, you know, it's like, but then it's like, they have to, they take no accountability. Like, like, I think there are a lot yeah. of I think there are a lot of aspects there that you've covered that are best maybe left in the past, and it's a case maybe now of from from where where I am anyway, in an effort to try and make your life a little bit better and better and better, gradually getting much better, would be for you to get in touch with um, the Cork Rape Crisis Centre OSS, uh, Mary Crilly, to set up an appointment to to meet with them because sadly, sadly. There have been many others before you, Marion, who've gone through something like this and have managed to, um, you know, start out on a road to recovery. Um, and you need to do that, like, you're only 24 years old. So can, can I just, can I, make, can I make sure that you get that phone number and that we make those calls? Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know if you feel any better or any worse from what I've just said to you there, but it, I think it could be a great help to you. No, I think it's my help. I think so. It's worth a try anyway. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm going to do that, okay? And uh, mm-hmm. I hope that I have a chance to talk to you again in the future. Me too. Yeah? So let's make sure that happens as well. But if something is set up for you, make sure you go, okay? And and uh, get involved with them. Open up to them. They're there to listen and to help. All right? Yeah. Okay, Marion. I'll make that happen, all right? Thanks, Neil. Bye. Very sad. It's just so sad. I know on a load of different levels, actually. I was talking to Mary Crilly years ago, and she said to me, I remember, forget it, she said, um, 75% of of rapes, I'm disturbed by it, I have to say, 75% of rapes are uh, unreported, sexual sexual assaults and things like that. 75% are unreported. And of the 25% that are reported then, 10% actually go to court. You hear Marion talking about the reasons why, and we touched on the different reasons why she, right at this point in time, is not in a position to uh, proceed with a guard investigation and going through court. And haven't you seen it like in court reports down through the years as to why Marion would say, I just wouldn't be strong enough to go through that procedure or go into court. When you hear things like what are said to people who... Um, where there's an allegation, and I know in, in every court case it is an allegation and everybody's entitled to defence. I'm not saying anything about that, not for a moment am I saying anything about that. Innocent and proven guilty, but sometimes you hear of, well, you're not telling the truth. It was actually consensual sex, or uh, you were at the party and uh, you were flirting, you were flirting, or you were in the pub and you were flirting, or the clo- we, we know the clothes you were wearing on the night and it was skimpy provocative clothing um, you know you were leading him on weren't you we know you were leading him on oh and listen you had an off you were very drunk um, and you it was obvious that you fancied him these are the kind of things that would be said in court so it frightens an awful lot of people 
with regards to going into a court setting or actually taking a prosecution. She mentioned different diagnoses there. There was treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Clearly, um, severely impacting her 22-year-old life. She's only a young girl. Uh, but was diagnosed with emotional unstable personality disorder. Now, I don't have a medical background, but I'm always amazed at all of the different labels that people have these days. There's so many of them as labels for everything. But after the conversation with her, I googled then, what is EUPD? What is emotional unstable personality disorder? And like, it's impulsivity, mood swings, overwhelming fear of abandonment, extreme anxiety and irritability, anger, paranoia, suspicion of other people, feeling of emptiness, hopelessness and worthness, worthlessness and suicidal thoughts and lots more like that. I mean... It kind of does fit in how somebody would feel after an event like that. Can I give out some phone numbers if you don't mind? I'll chat to Joan in a second, but uh, it's very important to give out the National 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline. You phone this number, and if you're, if you're from Cork, it's a 1-800 number, you will talk uh, to uh, rape crisis um, staff and trained counsellors in Cork. And it's one eight hundred double seven double eight double eight one eight hundred double seven double eight double eight. And the Samaritans will also put you in touch with any other people that think they could help you for whatever is troubling you on one one six one two three. Joan, good morning. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for holding. And I know that you had to hear Marion's story, and it probably disturbed you. It upset me for her, not for myself, though. For okay. her. Okay, okay. And we spoke years ago, did we? Oh, a very, very, very long time ago. On air. Yeah. On, uh, that was, that yeah. would have been 96 at the time. And uh, Yeah. What was our conversation about? Um, something similar happened to me. Um, it would have happened 10 years before I spoke to you. Mm. And when I spoke to you, I had only just told my family and the guards and I came off the phone from speaking to you and it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders for just getting it out there. Yeah, yeah. And it saved me because I went through all the feelings and the emotions that she is now and by telling my family and knowing that my family believed me it changed everything for me. I'm now happily married. I have two beautiful kids. I'm able to get on with my life. The blame and the guilt that I had for myself is gone. And I know that... I know now that it's not... Um, it wasn't my fault. Of course it wasn't your fault. Um, when we spoke all those years ago, you didn't have a wonderful husband. You didn't have two beautiful no. kids. You were uh, self-harming and had a lot of suicide attempts. That's what you were living yeah. with. Yeah, I had a horrible time. I hated myself. Um, I lost all trust in people. Mm. Um, I was ashamed of myself. Just everything that girl was saying, it was like as if I was listening to myself. Isn't it great that we're chatting again all these years later and you're so happy? Oh, and I am. And I always say to people, like... Obviously, telling my family and going to the guards about it um, did wonders for me. But it was talking to you live on air and just getting my story out to a stranger as such. Yeah. And just the way you dealt with the whole situation when I was speaking to you, I'll never forget it. I was so proud of myself. You should be. You should be. And I hope, hope that girl 
can pluck up the courage to tell her family, even if she has to write it down. You know, write a note, a letter to someone in her family. But I really feel that if she has the support at home, it will make such a big impact for her because people will understand why she's feeling the way she's feeling. Mm, mm. You know, because she probably thinks that everyone thinks of this is all in her head. We There's no reason for her to feel like this. But there is a reason. Someone destroyed her. And it's not her fault. Absolutely no way. Do you ever notice that a lot of the time we hear of people who have been prescribed various antidepressants and medication and it's making them worse? Worse it, and well, worse. Well, I can't worse. say... That well, she did. To me no, well, she married. Marion did. It, will, it could yeah. because she's not. And as she gets worse and worse and worse, then she ends up like others who are just discharged from the services yeah. because they're either told they're not cooperative. She was told she was an attention seeker, uh, or because, say, for instance, um, that's all they can do. We can do no more. I was told I was an attention seeker um, by the professionals. Um, but it just took, I don't know what it took, but just one night, everything changed for me. I blurted everything out to the professionals, to my family, um, and my sister came to the guards with me. I had hours of statements and statements, and the way the guards dealt with it was amazing. They are amazing. Yeah, they they are believed amazing. me, yeah. and I think the fact that I knew that anyone I spoke to believed me. It it just changed things. And I think that girl just needs someone on her side to say, I believe you. This You did nothing wrong. He did it. Whether anything ever happens to him, because nothing ever happened to the person who did it to me. But... But I don't, and I won't overly dwell on that for legal reasons, obviously, but you can just answer yes or no. Was there an investigation? Yeah. Yeah. And was there a, a court appearance? No. Okay. But okay. there wasn't a court appearance because of my mental health. Okay. You didn't pursue they it that didn't. far? Yeah. They didn't. The they DPP didn't. didn't. Right. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because um, I wasn't stable. But... Um, you see the reasons that I gave there were the, you weren't stable at the time obviously it's understandable yeah. why. but you see the reasons that I was giving there as to why Marion wouldn't you know um, what would oh, happen to, what would happen to you in the defence stand yeah and it would be torture and like even like I'm not going to tell her going into the guards and telling them is going to be um, easy because it's not because she literally have to go through what she was wearing what underwear she was wearing and what literally down to what she had for breakfast that day but, and it sounds like she is on trial, that she is, but at the end of it, it's having the relief because she's reliving it herself mm. and it'll put into her head, I did nothing to deserve this. And that's, like, as I said, nothing ever happened to him. That doesn't bother me anymore because I'm able to live with it myself. I don't even live with it anymore, really, unless obviously I am today because of listening to that girl. But other than that, I don't think about it all the time. I don't dwell on it. I have a daughter. I worry about things like that with her. Um, but I got myself back. And that's 
what that girl deserves. She's so And was that by her. opening up that she is only twenty four? Yeah. Was that by opening yeah. up? Okay. Here's another one yeah. for you. I'm here just your thoughts before you and I leave for the day. Uh, I'm going through the same as Marion. It happened to me when I was in my early teens. I'm in my 40s now and I still carry what happened with me. I am seeing a psychiatrist for bipolar. Uh, they are treating me for bipolar because I haven't fully opened up to them. I was once told that if I go to treatment or talk about it, uh, it would be reported to the Gardaí. I don't quite follow that part. Um, can't. I don't want to do that as I don't think I'm prepared to deal with this. Oh, as in if she opens up about what happened during treatment or talk about it, it won't be reported to the guards. Not unless she allows it. No, sure, it won't. Yeah. yeah. No, she says, I don't no. want to be talking to my husband and kids about what went, what went on in my past. You see, like my husband knows everything mm. about what happened to me. He knew about it before we were ever married. Mm. And, you know, like, he could be even listening to me on the air now. And... I, there's no shame. There is no shame. I know people think at the time there is, but and I know how hard it is for people. Because I said it took me ten years to say anything to anybody. But I'm begging that poor girl that was on the radio to you a while ago. Please tell a friend. Let that friend speak to her family, or find one member in her family right. that she trusts complete, completely totally. to speak to. Totally. But I. Just, she needs to get help to be able to move on with her life and she will end up having a wonderful life. She will. Well said. I'd be putting, in, I'd be putting her. her in touch with Mary Crilly and, and her, her staff and her people um, yeah, this lunchtime. Yeah. So that's, that is going to happen and and, uh, and it needs to happen. It's lovely chatting with you again, Joan, a decade later and I'm so delighted no, that problem. life is and going so well for you. thank you for your help back then because you really did. You're the you greatest. Really, lovely. Really me. Yeah, and thank thanks. you for coming back. It's always great to update. No problem. All right, cheers. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. See you, Joan. Take Bye. care. Uh, again, um, 1-800-77-8888 is the National 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline and that will connect you. They will then connect you to Cork if it is from Cork you're calling. There's a lot of people listening to me all over the country. Uh, I'm going to love it and leave it for, for the day that's in it today and pick up the conversations again tomorrow. Uh, before I go, can I, can I just say, we had a lovely day yesterday with uh, our... And please do feel to get in touch with me on any topics that may be on your mind, particularly this topic, if you have a story to share. You can always email me, neil at redfm.ie. I'll never give away your personal information. I'll never pass on information to anybody else, ever. You can also just uh, text 0868104106. But yesterday was lovely because we had Sarah Connolly on from Glanmire, who came on to tell us a brilliant story about um, her trips down west, down around Eccles and Glengariff and around <coughs> Glengariff itself. And this was for a 60-second competition for a €250 Euro voucher for J.J. Walsh's. And then on came Josh O'Brien, who stole the show by telling us about his favourite place in Cork, which is the house that his mam and dad built outside in McCroom. I just couldn't make up my mind as to which one to give the prize to. So we said we'd split the prize instead. Instead, So we decided to give Sarah the prize. Uh, but then when I decided that maybe Sarah was going to win... Um, where is that clip? Is this it here? 27, 27 seconds. This was Josh then. I say give it to Josh. Are you serious? Give it to Josh, Neil. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we'll do, right? I'll get on to Monty and I'll see if he, instead he might give two 200s. Perfect. Perfect. That's if we vote, we need to win-win situation. Oh. <laughs> Josh, oh. will you come home and live with me, will you? <laughs> 
<laughs> a win-win situation, says the little 12-year-old. So we rang Paul Montgomery, who owns, uh, among other pubs, JJ Walsh's, and uh, uh, he said, to make sure that everything works out properly, he says he came up with a better idea. Sarah and her pals will be heading to JJ Walsh's with a 200-euro bar tab, because if they want to go anytime soon, the food isn't set up yet, so they can drink alcohol because they're old enough. So a 200 euro bar tab. Josh and his family will be heading to Clancy's, also owned by Paul Montgomery, and will enjoy the food and drinks there in their place on Princess Street with a 200 euro tab there. So everybody wins, or as Josh says, says a win-win situation. All right, 200 for him, for himself and the family in Clancy's, and 200 as well then for Sarah in JJ Walsh's. Having said all of that, I'm out of time for now. So I'm going to do a double giveaway tomorrow. Uh, for JJ Walsh's. So two 250 euro vouchers to give away. And you need to be thinking about 60 seconds. My apologies for not getting it today. I couldn't rush things, lads. I just couldn't. So 60 seconds tomorrow will take maybe at this stage, it'll be like six different people will be giving 60 seconds on their favorite places in Cork and why. So think about that. But what I will do now, and I want to do now, after the break, actually, I'll tell you more about it. It's Cork on a Fork starts today. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Last bit of business then. Today, Cork on a Fork kicks off, and it kicks off with a taste of Princess Street dinner tonight. I believe it's totally sold out. Tickets were €125 Euro each. I have two of them to give away right now. You will be part of 200 guests seated along the newly pedestrianised sea, the big, long, formal table. But it won't be formal. It'll be an awful lot of fun. And you will be served food from all of the different restaurants on Princess Street and most of the produce is from Cork and in fact much of it from the English market the culinary offerings of the street so that's tonight I think it kicks off at about um, I think it kicks off about 6 o'clock so we have two tickets two places at that 200 euro banquet table to give away right now how will I do it? Okay we'll open the phone lines now you need to be able to go tonight firstly right and and have a good time but we'll take caller 9 or every caller thereafter if you can tell me what much loved Cork product we'll be talking about this morning on air that should be given protected status alright what Cork product we'll be talking about beverage I suppose they'll be talking about this morning that should be given protected status so it'll reward somebody who's been listening to the programme all morning long get dialing on that 0818104106 have a good day I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.